0: Hello and welcome to We Have Such Films to Show You, episode 32, where we're talking about uh, The Conjuring. I am your host who's currently talking, Josh Millard. And
1: I am your host that wasn't talking then, but now I'm talking and the other host isn't talking, so don't get us confused, Yaakov.
0: Yeah, uh, this movie.
1: uh, I don't know. How are you doing? That that was
0: way too abrupt. That was way too on topic. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm good. I, uh, yeah, I've just been working on the house a lot, or the apartment a lot, which is weird, because we've been watching a lot of haunted house movies recently. (laughs) Yeah,
0: how's the new place? Do you like it? Um,
1: uh, it's, I, I'm not sure if it's haunted yet. Uh, haven't yet spent the night there, because we're still remodeling, um, well, not remodeling, we're just doing things, like, right before this, I was replacing a bunch of outlets and not electrocuting myself. Um,
0: and... Or did you? Maybe you did electrocute yourself, and now I'm having a conversation with your unknowing ghost. You haven't yet realized and accepted the nature of your death, and so uh, you're just doomed to lurk this earth podcasting me from what is in fact an empty room in front of a microphone that's not plugged into anything. But I don't know that until I go to visit at some point in a couple of years from now, and I wander into an apartment in New York, and there's no one there.
1: Oh, I was just at the store. getting beers. Oh, that
0: okay? Yeah. Uh.
1: <laughs> well, I want to. I want to say it. there. I, um, uh, so
0: I, I, the conjuring. Yeah, the, no, the, the, yeah. the conjuring. Yes, uh, it's it's where you conjure. It's it's when stuff gets conjured. Um. <laughs> I I see why people dug this as a spooky film, and this was a spooky film. It had lots of spooky stuff. And so on. But I honestly, I was not super taken with it all in all. I don't know if you're there. Oh, I, I just. <laughs> sorry. There, let's was, a, there cut was a popping off. Yeah, okay, oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just uh,
1: cut it where, we, uh, where the silence started. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too easy. Too easy. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess
0: I I I, I want to start with the first blush impressions here because I'm curious how you how you felt about the film before I.
1: Um. So I knew very little about it coming in. Um. Just literally, I while watching it, I realized I had seen the trailer when the trailer was still new, when the film was just coming out, and then I talked about it um, at a party with some guy, but he didn't really relate anything. You know of note about it? Other, you know, I knew what the plot was. I knew it's, you know, just the uh, it's it's a movie version of the actual thing that was supposed to happen to the people that the Amityville Horror was based on. Is that that's like the genesis of the movie and um, Lorraine and what's his name Earl Warren? Yeah, Ed Ed Warren. Yeah, Ed and Lorraine Warren are two real people. Uh, Lorraine Warren actually even has a cameo in this. Um, I think Earl Warren
0: was the guy uh, as in the Warren Commission. Oh yeah. He's haunting the ghost of JFK.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Well, no, you see, this entire movie is just an elaborate metaphor of the JFK assassination. Ah,
0: That makes sense. Uh, Uh, Yeah. It totally makes sense.
1: Um, oh, yeah, so, yeah, he explained to me some stuff about the set, which I have not been able to substantiate anywhere. That, you know, it was just like this was a, like, the physical set was very complicated. Um, and... The, yeah. The, so the physical set was very complicated, um, and it was they were able to like rearrange rooms. He said it was looked something like a dollhouse, um, and uh, yeah, I was I've not been able to find anywhere that that can substantiate that, um, unfortunately. But uh, there was this one really really long tracking shot all the way in the beginning, so it at least one of the floors was like a complete set or shot on location.
0: Yeah, I, I was reading and it, it said it was a mix of uh set and location stuff. I wasn't clear on what just saw that briefly. So, uh North Carolina and and also some studios. Um the, it, this is one of the things about this film that's kind of I, I feel like it's central to looking at this film outside of its existence as just a horror movie, which is probably the fairest way to look at it, it's just as a horror movie. But this is a film that makes a point of how much this is based on a true story. Like it's it 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 it, it, it embraces that framing completely. I, and like you say, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren are in fact real people and they've been they spent their, you know, decades of their lives doing paranormal investigation stuff.
1: Um so it's, I, it's- I was going to say, I think it, um, what do you call it? I, I, I think it's less that it, um, a, it, less than that. The fact that it's, you know, uh, like based on a true story and more in that it is based on what people say is a true story. So it's the film version is just what somebody has claimed, which just reminds me of, um, confessions of a dangerous mind. Uh, have you ever seen that? I I never did, but I know of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's about Chuck Barris, who was the host of the gong show and like created all sorts of game shows, like very, very popular game shows, like, you know, in the sixties. And he wrote a memoir about how he was an assassin for the CIA. Um, and the movie. movie is just based on that memoir shot as if just, you know, everything he's saying is, totally you know, true. just yeah. a true story. So I think this is like sort of the same thing where it's less than like this is a true story and more like this is what like these two characters in the movie have told us.
0: But it's an interesting – and yeah, okay. So I think
1: – yes,
0: yes. And I think the, the, the interesting thing is looking at the distinction between those because I remember – Having not even seen the film, I remember the general uh, critical and popular reaction to Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was mm-hmm. that this is all a bit silly, right? You know, and it's the, sort of the nature of the thing where instead of you know talking about uh, documentation or you know dramatization of documentation of a horrible supernatural event, it's like dramatization of Chuck Beres' self-documentation of what sounds like a ridiculous memoir and. It's easier for people to sort of say, "Yeah, I don't know." It's a it's a it's a fun bit of whatever the hell that is. But uh, Chuck Barris, whereas with a horror movie, it's like, "Oh my god, haunting!" You know, and it's so the, the framework for taking it at face value or not is very different culturally from those two sorts of things. And I don't know. I, I guess I guess I feel I feel sort of weird about this because I want to have a. Well, not I want to have, I have a somewhat strong negative reaction to aspects of the presentation of this film based on the fact that I kind of take a very skeptical, very, uh, no, I'm sorry, I love horror movies, but ghosts and spirits and haunting and exorcisms are not real things, is my staid, you know, pushy, annoying uh, opinion on the subject uh, you know I, I love I love stories about it I love things playing with it, you know I, and obviously I, I love love horror movies, many of which trade you know really heavily on this stuff, but you know i 'm coming at it from a point of view where like i 'm not going to take with any kind of straight face a, oh yeah, but this ghost story is real because it's like whatever, but a story doesn 't have to say, oh my God, this is real. A, a story can just be like, Oh, this is a ghost story i 'm like, yeah, I am fucking on board with your ghost story.' So I, that's, that's where I am with the film, is I feel really weird about the fact that it's doing the, yeah, bro, but this one is real thing. Because it's like, how can I not be annoyed at the protestations that, oh, but no, really, this time, this actually, you know, it's, it, it colors the film for me from the get-go. And the film really, it, it seems to have a complicated relationship with that claim, to, to, to being real. you know, It uses a lot of things to try and play with the idea of authenticity uh, while at the same time obviously being completely ill-equipped to actually respond to any <laughs> challenge to the authenticity of the the whole thing. And yeah. yes, I, apparently apparently, this, this particular film has me sticking my finger in there and saying, yeah, but uh, – and I, I don't know if you had anything like that kind of response to it or if you managed to just sort of go more with the flow of it as like, hey, let's enjoy a horror movie.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I just um, I I didn't really take much of an issue just because there were points when it did actually get kind of silly and it didn't as much like take me out of the movie as just remind me that it's a movie. And a lot of the camera work is just like really just like movie camera work, like watch this shot and like look at how I zoom in on this. Like um, the director, James Wan and, you know, the camera is James Wan. James yeah, yeah James Wen so, yeah. Um, yeah, they never let you forget that you're watching a movie, so you know i I at no point did like the 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 documentary of like the Lives of the Warrens aspect just sort of figure into it uh, for me. I just yeah, it was just such so clearly a, a film like a piece of film work that you know there was nothing really that could top that. Yeah, which is far as what this movie like as far as just like how I watch this movie. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I I I really this is one of those tricky things where I feel like I'm going to end up saying no, I really liked it, and then slag on it the whole time (laughs) because I don't mean to slag on it. I really liked. It was fun to watch. I was distracted by the framing just because I don't know. I was in a mood about it or something. Uh, For whatever reason, uh, it it got up my shirt a little bit because I just kind of. Partly because I think I just wanted to get into it and say, "Hey, let's watch a fun horror movie," and like somehow that caught me just right to make me be like, ah, you know. And it, it had me thinking about the film and trying to guess the degree to which there were actual referenceable aspects of this. Because like going into the film, I didn't know anything about the Warrens. Um, I didn't know that there was an actual, you know, sort of textual connection to Amityville Horror. I had heard people make reference to Amityville, uh, you among others, I think, um, and taken it as sort of like the theme of the film. You know, had that in common, but I didn't realize there was an actual sort of connection there via the Warrens and you know the the source material for the stuff. Sure. Um, so I, I ended up spending half the film. Idly while watching it, also thinking about where I was guessing there was and wasn't
1: anything there. I didn't even know that this was the specific source of it. Um, um, I think, I, I mean, I think I did. You didn't end up watching Amityville Horror. Yeah, that's right, because we skipped that one. But, like, I think it's just because I've seen it so recently, and this film is just so clearly related to that source material. Like, to the extent that there's, you know, similar shots. There's, uh, you know how, like, there's that, like, entire, like, um, lakeside thing? Like, the little, uh, what do you call it? They have, like, that little... The little dock. Yeah, the little dock with the lakeside thing, that was, you know, part of the um part in the Amityville Horror, you know, in the Amityville Horror, they had a dog, they had a bunch of kids, and you know, like a bunch of stuff was different, like the nature of the of the haunting was different, but it in a lot of ways it's sort of I don't want to say remake because it's not a remake, it's it's just a um, it's just a take on the same source material from a different angle. Um but the source material in this case is super hazy and completely discredited. So it's um you know they're just like, all right, you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna have fun with this. Um just because there's no you know, I think they didn't they they did remake the Amityville Horror recently, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, so there was no need to do that. Um and and this I think was much more uh Effective. and also there's a, you know there 's a bit of a fake out if, because just in the medieval horror and then like in that story it 's you know the the dad the sl- slash husband that uh you know the house like infects and goes crazy, and in this one it's it's the mom uh slash wife uh, what the hell is your name Lily no it that 's the that's, Carolyn that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I am six Lily feet down under mostly, and yeah. uh, what's his face from Office Space?
0: Yeah, that, I, I you know, and I, was, I, I thought, is that the guy from Office Space? But I wasn't quite sure yeah. because much yeah. more recently, Office Space, I watched a bunch of uh, um, the football one. The, 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 the Friday Night Lights? Yes. Yeah. And I remember looking at that and si- watching that guy and saying, man, he kind of looked no, it's not the guy from Office Space. <laughs> and so I psyched myself. I was like, I think it's a guy from... No, it's probably the guy from Friday Night Lights because I, I just think... But no, I don't... Yeah, so I was I was pleased to find out uh, Ron Livingston, I think. Li- Livingstone is uh, yeah. the guy from Office Space. Uh,
1: um, oh, and I just want to note that uh, Patrick Wilson, who plays Ed Warren, the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, is this Bob Odenkirk's like handsomer brother? Because <laughs> he's really Bob Odenkirky, but like with the comedy like ironed out of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, is, has he been in something else notable? Uh, I don't think so. I looked up his credits before. I mean, he was in he was in Watchmen. He played Night Owl. Oh maybe that's where I recognize in, him from then. Insidious. Oh, and I saw uh, Insidious, too. Yeah, yeah. He was in the A Team. I didn't see that. Who was uh, he? Face. Uh, Lynch. Okay. I didn't see the A Team. Me either. And none than that, yeah, nothing really of note. Well, I guess I have seen the two things of note that
0: he's done. He was so. in Angels in
1: America, so. Oh. I've never actually gotten around to seeing that.
0: Yeah, he was vibing familiar and I couldn't place it. So, yeah. I guess he he wasn't playing really Night Owl the character here, uh, here is, so it didn't really sort of connect over. Uh, yeah, uh, so yeah. So okay, so so having said that, having said that, you know, my basic reaction is you're you're riding too hard on the legitness of your uh goofy malarkey. Uh, uh,
1: I did enjoy the film as a horror film. I, I, I and I, I, did, you, did you think it was scary? I thought it was pretty scary. I mean, I watched it at like, you know, I started watching it at like 11 o'clock at night, like in a dark room. Yeah. So that helped. Well, I watched
0: it at night with the sound up, and I will say it made excellent use of the subwoofer. Uh, we had just rearranged our stereo the other day, uh, moving it from one corner of the living room to another, which involved me rerunning a whole bunch of speaker wire and stuff. And so this was like the first thing we properly did with it plugged back in. And, and the subwoofer's in a better spot now as a result. And so there's a lot more room shake, uh, which was very impressive. And the, I, I thought the soundtrack was great. Uh, the cinematography, uh, as we've already sort of uh, briefly touched on, was very overt but I I enjoyed it I thought it was no yeah, it was no, I
1: it was done with a very deft hand. Um, it did not... I mean, once in a while it felt like it was showing off, but what it was showing off was done really well, so I'm not like that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like, check out this dolly zoom, and then it's just, okay, that's a dolly zoom. And this one, you know, it's like, hey, look at this dolly zoom, but like it, they shake it, and, you know, it goes back and forth in for a while, so it's more disconcerting and creepier than just like the regular dolly zoom. Um, And, uh... Yeah, uh, that, I, did, you, did you like that tracking shot all the way in the beginning? You know, I didn't even catch it. I didn't even notice it. I,
0: I think I was uh, mm-hmm. not uh, watching with a, a critical enough uh, cinematographic
1: eye. Yeah, he, um, he, I I think that was intended because, you know, in just like a regular tracking shot, either you're tracking across a bunch of stuff happening, like, you know, in Boogie Nights, uh, you know, like, it's just what a bunch of people are doing, or it follows, you know, one specific character, uh, interacting with a bunch of other characters, and this one, um it sort of hands it off to each character and, like, they do their thing and then it hands it off to the next one. It's like a relay race with a tracking shot um, because they interact before, you know, they, they depart. So, you know, you sort of get the idea that, you know, there's no... There's not going to be, like, any single agency in this movie. This isn't, like, the story of anyone in specific, including the Warrens. It's the story of the family. So yeah. we see, like, just from the very beginning, we see... Just the house from the point of view of almost everybody who lives in it. Because I don't remember if it was all the characters or not, but it was you know like a long tracking shot clearly going through like a very large space just to give you a sense of how big it is. So yeah, I I like that.
0: See, I had the impression, and I I I don't think I'm mistaken impression uh, that montage was a, a a recurring theme. But I may I may even be jamming that tracking shot into. What is otherwise a collection of two or three montages throughout the film? Uh,
1: oh, I just realized I used the wrong phrase. Uh, just find replace every time I just said tracking shot with long take. Uh, I see, just like, either way, know?
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in the same, you know, tracking shots are long takes, right? So, uh, I think long takes are tracking shots. Well, there's there's. So- <laughs>
1: Let's, I took two film classes. Let's fight. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I
0: yeah. I, I think I, I I understand your meaning, regardless. Yes, yeah. I think I, <laughs> I followed you. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I, I'd be curious to see. I I I don't know. What I'm like like bustling to to watch the film again, but I could certainly watch it again. Um. Like it was there was a there was enough going on on the screen that I think I would probably get something out of a second. Follow through. Although I don't know if I, I don't know if it'd be a ton. Uh, it's interesting. I feel like the film did a pretty good job of pacing the amount of stuff on screen. A lot of the, a lot of the film actually does take some key shots that, that boil sort of slow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which which works well. It, it's funny. I, I found myself thinking a lot about paranormal activity at times during this. Um, like when they when they finally get all the uh, listening equipment set up and then they go to there yeah, yeah. And, and, and notably it's it's very different from paranormal in activity in that we get those establishing thoughts so that we can rep- return briefly to them at other key moments rather than we get those establishing thoughts so we understand what we're gonna be seeing for ninety percent of the film um, but still it made me sort of think of it like okay now we need to establish we've got this we've got that these are where these various listening posts are so that you know when we refer back to those we'll we'll have some sense of, of place for it. Uh but the film doesn't do that sort of thing. It really sort of keeps moving around. Um yeah, some some of the camera shots I I really enjoyed uh the the looking under the bed shot was my favorite like this is really, really we're doing the thing with a camera sort of thing, but but fun, where uh oh God, I can't even remember all the girls' names. Uh the one who kept getting her leg pulled on the bed. Um the, the time that she really, really wakes up and realizes something up. And I think this is the scene that ends up with her screaming about someone behind the door that no one can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but she, she she looks over the the, the foot of the bed uh, and pulls back up. And then she gets this sense of certainty and looks under the bed from the side. So she can actually look under the bed. Uh, and we get this great upside down shot uh, looking at the bed and looking across the room and sort of panning left and right, uh, which I just thought was i mean it 's not super complicated, but it was it was fun it was like you know this is disorienting and it 's putting us in the character 's you know perspective in a way that uh, the whole thing worked pretty well for me and then the nice slick swivel back up. Uh, to upright coming out of that uh, was a nice sort of finish on it. You know, very mechanical, very practiced. You know, it doesn't it, it's not like it's putting me in the character's head in some sort of like direct. Symphony. Yeah, it's not like oh, a gosh, GoPro right?
1: shot. It was yeah. very much like a fixed, steady camera shot.
0: But it was a nice shot. You know yeah. it's like it yeah. was the kind of thing that like you know, and the film does a, a number of of uh, slightly showy but deliberate and and cleanly executed uh, weird perspective shots. Uh, throughout in a way that I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, there was um you so you mentioned oh, you know what, should we talk about like the cold open? That has nothing to do with the rest of the movie?
0: Oh sure, yeah.
1: Um yeah, so the there's uh the opening is just um like these three I mean they're not kids or like in their early twenties like relating the story to somebody, you know, you're not shown who about this doll that's haunting them. Or you know, like this—it's uh, just about an evil doll, you know, sort of like the uh, the Twilight Zone episode or the episode of The Simpsons. It was a parody of the Twilight Zone episode. You know, it's like evil doll trying to kill people and just like doing spooky supernatural stuff. Um, and so that's—and so we get like this little horror short film before like the Conjuring actually starts, and I, I sort of enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. Uh, um I I was having trouble figuring out how to feel tonally about it, which I think maybe is me ending up feeling about how I was supposed to uh, about it. <laughs> but uh, it, it really came off something about that opening bit with uh, introducing Annabelle the doll and the, and the girls in the apartment and bringing the Warrens in. Uh, Oh, and
1: if you haven't seen the movie, it's a creepy-ass doll. Oh, yeah. It's not like uh, a little toy. Like, it's a fucking creepy, creepy thing. I would not want that thing in my house.
0: Yeah, no, they did did a nice job of of making a uh, creepy doll in Annabelle. Annabelle is the name of the doll. Or maybe the name of the – well, I guess it's the name of the doll –
1: uh, yeah cuz it's a demon not a ghost. Right, they right. they ascertain that in the beginning. So the th- <laughs> like yeah. That's how we know the Warrens are experts. Yeah, no, like, it, uh, that it, sets it's them an up. interesting
0: it's an interesting thing cuz yeah, we get this tiny little freaky doll thing and then, you know, uh, the resolution turns out to be that oh well actually no no it 's uh, it's a completely different thing going on let me let, let us drop our, our our bona fides on you here by explaining that the creepy doll you 're worried about isn 't a ghost inside of a doll it 's a demon that just happens to be manipulating the doll at times to kind of fool you into thinking that it 's possessed by a ghost, which didn't end up coming across super clear exactly what the intention there I guess the idea is maybe the doll doesn't move the doll is just moved by something when needed but uh, yeah it was, it was yeah
1: I mean and I think they sort of back that up um there was a different wasn't there a different doll that's no 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 it was um yeah the warren's kid yeah, when she uh when she sees the ghost or with like the demon possessing the doll like you know the doll moves by itself but it's clearly being held by some sort of like you know it looks like you know like a creepy old like witch hag sort of thing yeah. similar to the one from the other house but not exact or was it supposed to be the same one I, I don't even remember. see
0: one at the other house. I, I thought we only ever saw Cuz she
1: house. runs up and there. remember the uh, the rocking chair?
0: Yeah. Like no, eventually I remember, she, yeah, no, yeah. I remember the rocking chair with the Judy scene? I, like from the cold open, I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Uh Oh, yeah, no, in the cold open, there was nothing. There was, okay. uh, it, was, it was definitely implied that it was a doll. But, yeah, so that's another thing about just, like, the sort of the, the way that the movie is framed about reality. Like, it starts off with somebody telling a story because it's yeah. very clearly, you know, it's, it's you know, they're, they're telling it to you and then you see it. And, you know, with that, there's always, you know, the idea of, you know, an unreliable narrator. And I think, you know, that's that part of the tone of that thing should, you know, they expect you to carry it over to the movie.
0: Well, yeah, and, and there's a, yeah. there's this whole thing where, like, I guess part of the... Even of though the nobody's explicitly is, telling the movie. Yeah, p- part of the part of the cold... Well, I don't know. Actually, I, I feel the other way about this. Um, and I guess there's more than one way to look at it, but... but okay, so the thing about the, the cold open is it felt a little bit campy to me, you know, in a way that's like... It, it felt like most of the movie takes place in 1971 and feels like mm-hmm. it's going sort of in terms of aesthetic tone for 1971... As the setting period piece, but not like, you know, making a big deal about it being 1971. That's just when it happened. Yeah, um, like
1: if you're like if you're watching this and you you have no idea how people dressed in the seventies, it could take place at any point in time. Just the people dress not like they do today, but also not like outlandishly, you know, seventies. Like it's it's not it's not nearly as seventies as you know, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was actually you know shot in the seventies. Yeah. It's not like yeah,
0: and the the the, the film uh, color treatment basically throughout. I feel like they're going for a little bit of a, oh, yeah, of yeah. a warm Kodachrome thing too. Yeah. Uh, just to give it some, that look, but all so like, it sits side by side okay with actual 70s film stock in theory.
1: Yeah, but all just like, you know, there was, they, they didn't like fake any, uh, you know, fake any like imperfections in the film or anything. It's, um, it's I, I think it's just the, just the color and the way a number of the shots are done. It's sort of like House of the Devil, but much, much more subdued and much more, this is a movie from 2013.
0: Yeah. Um, but, uh, but but the, the opening short really felt a little bit more like Hey, it's 1968. Check out this crazy hair on these girls. Am I right? Yeah, you know, in terms was... of the presentation. Uh, so the whole thing, even 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 when it was not a bad little bit of creepy doll, menacing, you know, horror short, it was also it, it was it was hard to believe that they wanted me to take this super seriously because uh, partly because you know obviously the girls didn't die and they're sitting and talking uh, to the Warrens, so the doll has not killed them. That's you know take some of the tension out too. So all of that made it feel like a very, a safe sort of ghost story, cold opening that then moved on in the film. And, and I can see the argument from your end that it's the idea that people are telling them a story. Uh, and then when we watch the rest of the film, we are meant to, or allowed to think of it as someone telling them a story. Uh, but I actually read it in the complete opposite way, partly because it did feel like the, tone shifted to be a little bit less campy, a little bit more serious once they got into the film proper, and that's that it's an effort to legitimize the notional truthfulness of the rest of the film by taking the situation where we have some apparently unreliable narrators telling experts what happened, and the expert's like, oh, well, I mean, some creepy stuff did in fact happen, but you've got all of your facts wrong, and we'll tell you what actually happened here, suggests that the Warrens by their presence in the situation legitimize the narrative of what happened. And so then we move on to the rest of the film where the Warrens are not skeptical, but in fact immediately totally invested uh, once they start seeing evidence of stuff going on that in fact what happened is what the family is saying happened. Uh, so it, it sets up those two different sorts of dynamics. There's the the girls in the opening who are essentially treated as uh, – not really getting what's going on and then there's the warrens interacting with the parents where the warrens basically completely endorse the something terrible is happening in this house and we've got to do something about it thing so that was that was kind of my read it felt much more like the opening was a little bit campy and a little bit uh, dismissive to create that contrast to 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 really set up the yeah bro but this one's legit part of the
1: I, I mean, yeah, I can definitely see that, but I think, like, the tone of campiness, they, you know, they dialed it down, like, 75% for the, you know, the actual plot of the movie, but it never went away. There was always these, like, little bits of, like, you know, sort of winking um, kind of thing. There was the... uh trying to think you know there's like the foreshadowing that's just like a ton of bricks falling when uh, Carolyn says what kind of mother would, would kill her own children and it's just like well <laughs> that, okay um, you know, there's like the irony shot where, um, you know, the, the Warrens are, you know, in somebody's, uh, in somebody's attic and they're like, well, you see, it's the floorboards creaking from the moisture and, the, you know, the pipes are carrying the sound. So there's no ghost. You just live in a, in a creaky house. Um, and they're just like, well, I'm glad it wasn't a ghost. And they're like, well, it usually isn't. And then just like immediate smash cut to, um, you know, the, uh, the, the house that the movie takes place in. Also like creepily creaking. Yeah. But, you know, this time it's real ghosts. Yeah. And I think you know the, the whole like it's real thing is slightly tongue in cheek, not like you know, not like totally you know, just you know, oh, you can dismiss like anything happens in this movie. But there's definitely like little silly touches here and there. Also, the montage with Drew that may as well have <laughs> had like you know, pumping seven oh it did I think it did have like yeah, 70s there was, there was music a playing of really over? Good, it. Uh,
0: soundtrack moments in this. Well, I, I don't know if I would. Mm. There there were a couple of really, they made me smile soundtrack moments in this that felt like really kind of like, oh, okay, so you're making a movie in the 70s, huh? Was it
1: Cream playing when they were moving in?
0: Um, Or uh, it's the... It's time of the season.
1: Was that the birds?
0: Um, And I don't remember who it was. Uh, Yeah, there was that and there was like one... Zombies. It's 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 the zombies.
1: zombies,
0: (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. so time of the season was yeah they moving in montage and then there was another montage later on when they were like setting up paranormal stuff i think is what it was during
1: and it was another like you know serious like yeah this is oh you know what It's that during that opening like scene where times uh time uh, that song is playing um there's a shot that's following like one of the little girls like i think the smaller like the smallest blonde one and you know we get like a shot of her from behind and this is where that long take begins and she's running and there's these two uh, I think it's just a pair of delivery guys uh, like lifting a couch and she runs under it because she's small and they you know just lift it up a little bit and the camera follows her like under that couch but it's not a hand <laughs> cam it's clearly like a steady cam yeah. and I thought that was like really slick like I was not expecting it to go through there. Nice. I, must, um, I was
0: taking a lot of notes. Uh, I think I may have just not appreciated that shot.
1: Um, So, okay, well, okay. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, and the montage with Drew, um, where it's just sort of, um, it's panning from room to room, where it does, like, you know, the the, the wall between the rooms is, like, a cut in time. And so he's, like, in what, it just pans, like, really far across, and he's in every single room setting something up. Um, And I think that's, like, the only shot in the movie where time is not... um, that's not like, you know, in linear time. That's clearly supposed to be like going through time, uh, you know, in the way that like a fast motion shot would be, where, you know, the speed of what's happening is not the speed of, the, uh, of, of what the camera's showing you.
0: Well, it's, I mean, I would say that moving in montage is, is similarly intentionally disjointed in time, just like that's the nature of montage. But I agree right. that there's something different in the feel of a montage that feels uh, more like just a naturalistic set of scenes from a sequence versus that, which feels like a very sort of forced, hey, we're going to totally do a thing in camera now that, you know. So yeah, I mean, definitely two different approaches uh, to the technique. But I I, I, I think, you know, any time we've got the montage in the film, which shows up a couple times, we've still got that element of, of time being treated as, you know, flexible for the purposes of storytelling. Right. Um, okay, well, let, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep trying to find a, a way to narrow down my feelings on this. But I I agree with you that I think the people making this film were aware of the way they were making the film and and that in that sense some of this stuff was tongue in cheek. Um, I disagree with the idea that the film was ultimately trying to present a tongue-in-cheek tone to the whole thing. And that's <laughs> and this 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 may just come down to me being sort of a weird stickler and fussy about the idea of shitting or getting off the pot on the based on a true story thing. but I, I feel like I feel like the film ultimately, and and some of this may just be sort of like more executive and marketing pressure on the whole thing may have driven some of this. I, I, I really paid no attention to any of the marketing. I knew nothing about this film going in other than the vague uh, Amityville reference. Um, So I can't really put this on marketing that I was exposed to, per se, but it feels like the meta-presentation of the film, even in terms of the credits and the opening and closing crawls and whatnot, feels like it's trying really hard to go with the, hey, this is a legitimate story of a supernatural thing that occurred. So being a little bit ironic or a little bit winky or knowingly tongue-in-cheek in in portions of the film, while most of the film seems to keep trying to run with the dramatic, horrifying thing, doesn't really... It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't feel like a sufficient note from the filmmaker that they are taking an attitude of distance and and you know, self-awareness and irony to the whole thing. Like it, it just feels like tonal I don't
1: think. It, I, I don't think it goes as far as like being tongue-in-cheek or self-aware as much as just acknowledging the absurdity of the premise – um, where you know, like the, they they're showing their students like footage of you know like spontaneous wound generation and and just like stuff that you can't and you know the every time there's a ghost they they or the demon makes his presence they somehow capture something you know like they capture like the deep growling voice they capture you know like a clear photo of like that you know little boy on camera and and I think when it does that it's just you know this. It, it makes it more and more clear that this isn't our world and it's not meant to be our world because there's nothing like that well, in our world. I, I even don't think, like,
0: I don't even think that works, though, because you can't simultaneously try and trade on the legitimacy of, oh, no, but Ed and, Ed and Lorraine are real and this is based on true events and blah, 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 and at the same time be saying, oh, but this isn't real. you know And, and, and I, I'm taking this mostly from the perspective of I feel like it's important to the integrity of your storytelling that you establish what kind of story you're telling, and I think it's an unreconcilable conflict between those two ideas to simultaneously try and make the claim to legitimacy and try and trade off the idea of a true story and take the liberty of saying, "Oh, but okay, I mean, I mean, we all know this isn't real. This isn't real. I mean, this is we're making it up, but it's totally true, bro." You know that that's the conflict that I think. The well, film the does thing. not succeed where, in getting away from. I'm,
1: I'm now trying to remember. Does it ever actually say that these, you know, these are the events as they transpired? Because I'm trying There's to remember actually, all note of the, at the end
0: of the credit crawl. Aside <laughs> from the based on the true story, stop up front and Ed and Lorraine Warren. Blah 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 Well, yeah, that's the
1: thing. I remember the Ed and Lorraine Warren thing where they just give you the background and Lorraine Warren. Did they explicitly say like something like based on a true story? Yes, though, based,
0: based on a true story or based on the true events? I don't remember the exact phrase. Used. Okay. And then at the end of the film, mm-hmm. instead of the this is a work of fiction. Fiction, you know, blah, 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 blah. They've got the they've got the disclaimer that says this film is based on actual events, dialogue, and certain events and characters contained in the film were created for the purposes of dramatization. That's the, no, no, this is really, I mean, obviously we had to, you know, dramatize it to make it work as a movie, but, you know, this is, you know, we can't say this is fiction because you know,
1: I feel like that's sort of like the you know, artificial flavors disclaimer where it's, it's all natural and then there's like a little thing that says artificial flavors and that could just be anything. It's like, yeah, we made some stuff up for the, for the movie. Most of it, 95%. But you know, we got that five percent. There were people that lived in a house once.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's that's so. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's a, it's a it's a it's a hard road to hoe. And as far as dispelling the conflict that I was talking about, the conflict between wanting to just have everybody on board with the fact that you're telling a magical story, and have everybody on board with the idea that this is really no, this is totally a true story. You know, that's that's a really hard thing to settle the the space between. Uh, and I think you can only do so much to claim the legitimacy rather than imply it uh, before you really abandon the ability to make any excuses for the bullshitty aspects that are what make the whole movie. Because that's the thing, like, it, uh, I, I feel like I'm just like completely annoyingly ranting on this, but if someone tried to make a documentary version of this film – It would be a series of talking head interviews with, you know, the Warrens and the Perrins to the extent possible, along with some crappy dramatized, you know, recreation shots. Uh, And, you know, basically what we're talking about is an episode of something on the sci-fi channel, you know, and it would be dull as dirt aside from however good of storytellers. You know the Warrens or the parents were in terms of you know presenting their narrative anecdotes. You know, so obviously nobody wants to make that movie because, like, whatever, it's it's a middling episode of a crappy show on sci-fi. Uh, so this movie is a completely different approach because they want to make a horror movie, uh, but they're still sort of essentially using that as the framing of the legitimacy. Uh, To the extent that they included them. And I realize I'm complaining so much about something that is just, you know, the, the opening credit crawl, the closing credit crawl. And we've seen a bunch of movies that, you know, similarly basically try and go with a, oh, based on a true story, even when it's totally not. So it's like, it feels like sort of a dumb complaint that I'm so hung up on this. It's just, I guess it struck me with this film how much the film feels like it's wanting to be that way. And, you know, part of it is like to, to, to try and get myself off this set of tracks. Cause I feel like I'm just repeating myself a ton and it's not going to be super interesting. Uh, overall, I felt like the movie was a little bit weirdly uneven in its approach to stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I would definitely agree that, it, that it was uneven and there was, there was definitely like moments of, um, you know, just like this is what reasonable people would do in this situation. There was like definite moments of just horror movie stupid. Yeah, um, that that hide and clap game is that a real thing? Did they I've never heard of movie? it. But
0: who knows? I'll do a quick Google here. But uh... yeah.
1: yeah, it seems like it's dangerous to play that game in a house that you just moved into where there's just like this huge open staircase. Um, like the whole time when she's playing it, like, you know, uh, with just like the one daughter who isn't in school yet. Um, I was just like, she's going to fall down the fucking stairs and break her neck. Like I was just, I, I was worried about that a lot more than ghosts. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah that the, like the hide and clap thing took me out of it because it's just like this is so clearly a plot device yeah the, the,
0: the, as soon as they play it, you're like oh this is gonna be a thing this is gonna be a yeah. this because I guess
1: here. you can't get, get like you know a spooky voice going polo or yeah. <laughs> you know that that just that 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 would be worse um, yes. yeah yeah I'm not
0: finding any evidence of hide and clap as something that exists outside of the Conjuring. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so 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 probably not, but maybe I don't know. Maybe someone will say, actually. And
1: uh, like, I buy that it's like a little game that their family invented just to have fun, but not when you use it as such, like a uh, overt plot device for you know an entire spooky ass scene. But then again, that scene was really spooky.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean they got they got good results out of it. I mean it's one of those things where, and I would say that's 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 a running theme with this film like a lot of the things that if i'm gonna sit down and 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 get all spock on it that i i can really seriously complain about you know nonetheless are things that were mostly in the service of you know a good bit you know that the hide and clap thing felt very false felt like a like you've got to be a fucking idiot to play this game on the second floor of a new house uh where you're wandering around blindfolded but uh but at the same time, you know, the ghost clapping stuff was fantastic. Like, you know, they yeah. used it. They they made it a callback a couple times. Every time was a good scare. You know, I mean, startle scare. But, you know, I mean, this is just a movie that really likes startle scares and it uses them pretty well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, there's a guy in the bus window, but it's just a guy. It's, you know, the startle scares are just like, oh, shit, that's the ghost or, you know, that's the demon or whatever. Except once when it's the cop backing out of the bathroom. I
0: liked that scene because... There was a
1: callback to it when it was actually the demon, like shortly thereafter.
0: I I liked that one specifically as the sort of little metatextual joke to it because obviously the, 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 the... the scene is a predictable enough thing if you're, you know, have seen any startle scare movies that, you know, use fake scares. Is yeah, they're like, What's that noise? And it turns out it's the cop. Uh, he was just taking yeah. a piss. But that's the thing. That scene is a piss take about <laughs> an actual piss take. So, you know, I, I thought that was nice, whether or not that was yeah. specifically intended or not. Yeah. what What is that cop's
1: job? Why that, is he, I think doing he was just this? muscle? I think he was like, did they just? I mean, because he was in uniform and he was carrying. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're in the country, like a shotgun's a shotgun. You know, if it's your police issue shotgun, it's still your shotgun, I guess. Um, I once saw a NYPD officer at the bank with, like, you're apparently allowed to have, you have to have, like, your service gun, which is, you know, like the police issued one, but I think you're allowed to have another firearm. And this guy had, like, a low slung six shooter. Huh. Just like, just, you know, it's, you had like, you know, one of those, uh, um, it, it was like a very nice, well-kept, like very well-made leather, um, what do you call it? Holster. Um, and it was just like lowered just a bit for like the quick draw and it was a six shot revolver and it was all loaded. I was like standing directly behind <laughs> at the bank and I'm just like, what the really, fuck? Really buddy? So yeah, maybe, you know, like that shotguns that guy's gun, and he's just like, well, I, you know, might as well bring it. But first of all, like, he has work in the morning, so this is a cop that's, you know, ghost hunting at night, doing work in the morning, and just like doing his police work on, like, three hours of sleep after hunting ghosts all night.
0: It's a lot of the, cocaine, a lot of cocaine. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, also, there was um, just the scene all the way at the end where, like, you know, uh, there's like, they build up, like, this little thing between him and Drew, who was the Warren's assistant, yeah. and looks a lot like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I guess. it's really weird. I mean he's 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 Asian but he he does still like look he doesn't have like the same mannerisms but he just uh, just you know his his just like sort of tall lanky look, black hair just anyway um so like there's like a little thing set up between the two of them cuz like he's the true believer and the cops the skeptic and you know all the way at the end of the movie uh you know they the you know they're talking like this is you know this is a it's a happy ending movie which was like one of those things the guy at the party told me he was just like yeah so you're going to watch like the ending of this movie it's just like the thing that's supposed to happen happens and there's no you know there's no big twist or big reveal like they they win it's a happy ending um which was odd because how often do you see that in a horror
0: movie? well yeah i my the end of my notes actually uh starts up i i end up typing in all caps with lots of exclamation points So sarcastic is my intent in documenting the setup (laughs) to the fake happy ending that follows by something bad happening. And then it actually just, it it actually is a happy ending. So I just look like a giant sarcastic
1: asshole in my own notes. (laughs) Uh, oh, but um yeah, so uh so th- all the way at the end like the cop and Drew are talking and you know like they're both they're both shaken, but they're not fucked up but like the cop had part of his cheek bitten off and then Drew turns to him and he's just like, so uh you still think it's a it's like a or something like you still think it's a breeze or uh, so, you know it's like its just wind and the cop's just like you know I'll take a guy with a gun any day and I just I almost screamed kiss at the screen because it was just such a kiss moment well, and everybody else and then it immediately Cuts to the Warrens kissing. Yeah, so I think I, I think Drew and the cop make out.
0: I think that's a safe assumption. I, th- I want to see the sequel. that's about the two of them. There's a, there is there is a sequel business. coming to
1: this movie. They, is it about they, them getting into a side yeah, business and making out? Uh, no, my <laughs> God, I wish. I, we should just like add that to like the rolling cast of the sitcom of like the you know B characters in horror movies. The uh, you know the movers from uh, Hellraiser and. Just, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, so um, there's, there's a sequel coming. There's a sequel and a spin off. That's how successful this movie was. This movie was super successful. Yeah, but- I didn't
0: realize it did so. Like, like 300 million gross, something like that.
1: Yeah, So first of all, the I mean it's a, it's a it's a you know it's a known director. This is the guy that did Saw and Insidious, and you know those movies are they did very very well. Um, you know this guy, this is a guy who could do what he wants with a movie. Um, but even considering that, it just it cost twenty million dollars, which is not that much for a movie, um, which is pretty great because I mean that's just like you know the effects in it were good most of the effects were really good some of the effects were weirdly bad but most of the effects were you know like it 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 looked like what it was supposed to look like yeah. it looked like somebody getting tossed around the room by an invisible demon um but yeah so it made it cost 20 million made 318 million and i think it's the biggest opening um of a horror movie like the purge was the biggest and then this came out and this beat it just slightly I think but I'm not 100% sure it's definitely like in the top 5 of uh horror movie opening uh money taken in revenue revenue um Yeah, how did we get on that? I don't I don't remember that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, because I was saying well, there should be a sequel with the. With oh yeah, yeah. The so there's
1: yeah, yeah. So they they definitely the this movie was intended to start a franchise with the uh, with the Warrens. So there's a sequel coming with the Warrens, and there's also a spinoff about the doll coming.
0: See, and yeah, I saw that mentioned on on Wikipedia as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I really care about. It. I mean, I don't know. I guess the short established that the doll could be used well, and certainly the idea of a spooky doll yep. is not a new idea. But partly, it's also not a new idea. So okay. I hope they have some really good ideas for making it not just feel like kind of a warmed-over horror idea that should have been left as a five-minute short. Um, ah, what the hell was I just going to say? I, okay, oh, okay, so the idea of a series. This is one of the things about the movie that uh, – I was not – like I said, it felt sort of a little tonally uneven, and part of it is that I feel like this is a movie that really kind of wanted to be a series, like like a, a nice uh, high-budget, like, you know, contemporary – like HBO, Showtime, AMC, something – someone making this as a, like, six-episode miniseries or six-episode, you know, first season uh, I feel so like, like
1: a true detective or something. Yeah. Like
0: it really, yeah. Like true detective or, you know, X files in the seventies kind of, you know, was my immediate vibe. Once we started getting the Warrens was like, Oh, okay. Well, we've got sort of a, yeah, we've got sort of like a, you know, uh, relationship buddy investigator thing going on here. Um, and there's a lot in the film that they sort of like set up and then don't answer. And if they're going for a sequel, I can understand taking that approach. But for the, the film itself, it's a film that might never have seen a sequel. Some of it's kind of unsatisfying. It's like they don't do a really great job of hanging mysteries out there. They just sort of hang them out there. Like we really don't know what happened with uh, Lorraine and that exorcism. You know, we even get like a little glance of it, but we really still don't see much uh and it it really it feels like it's something laid out there as something that could be a prequel or something or a flashback or some side story that they don't really tell in the film even though they sort of lay a lot of vague pressure on the importance of that that situation whatever it was uh you know and and, and I feel like I feel like the film was Dangling some threads that didn't really pick up, but it didn't dangle them in a super interesting way. It was just more like, "Oh, by the way, we're dangling some threads here." Eh? Uh, there was there was
1: a there was a significant chunk of this movie during which I had no idea if their daughter was alive or dead.
0: Oh yeah, we. I was watching it with Angela last last night, I think, mm-hmm. um, or the the night before, and 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 I don't uh, even know what that was. That intentional? I don't. I don't know if it was or not, and I really kind of wonder because, like. As soon as I had the idea, I was like, "Yeah, but that doesn't really make sense, does it?" Uh, but we were like, "Yeah," and so we tried to sort of run with it. Um, but it's like, like I was like, "Did I not watch the scene with the the black reporter dude interviewing Ed?" Uh, carefully enough to note the dude's reaction or lack of reaction to Ed telling the daughter to get out of the room. But then later Lorraine calls and says, you know, is she okay? And someone doesn't say, you're crazy. Your daughter's been dead forever. You know, uh, although it could be... (laughs) Okay, here's a theory. Here's a theory. This film is actually a, a, a subtle but profound indictment of the mental state of the Warrens. The phone call that uh, Lorraine Warren makes while worried about her daughter, Judy, is to some family caregiver who knows them well enough not to try and disrupt Lorraine's profound delusion about her daughter being alive or even maybe even existed, although alive I like better. Um, And so when it's like, oh, no, no, Judy's fine. She's like, oh, thanks. I'll explain later. You know the person on the other end is just like shaking her head. Oh, that poor dear! You know, and then glances over at Judy's urn because Judy, of course, has been dead for like you know two years now. And so the whole film, based on that tiny little apparent dissonant moment of like, where are you going with this movie? Was just about uh, trying to signal to the attentive viewer that in fact the film thinks the whole thing is a pile of a pile of BS. That's that's my new working theory. <laughs>
1: um. It's just a just an indictment of their parenting abilities, yeah, yeah. From like the perspective of the girl, I mean, there was there was like the, this movie had like the biggest uh, Chekhov's gun I have seen in my life, which was just like the room full of uh, haunted shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a room <laughs> full of like you know like artifacts taken from like a haunted website, and just like and just, and then they're just like so. How do you keep them from going out? It's like oh, we get a priest to come in here like twice a month. It's just like like an exterminator, and and then you know they they clearly show a. um like like a uh, samurai gear, and I'm just like, why would the samurai demon pay attention to a Catholic priest? Because they they only ever mention Catholic priests in this movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's um, sort of a
0: it's it, it's a little bit of a, a, a Catholic horror film, yeah. but it, it's it's like a, a Catholic fanfic horror film yeah. almost. Like, yeah, you know, and, and the
1: priest is like, well, you know, we can't really help them. They're not in the church. It's just like, well you know with is is the, but they I mean they do get the approval from the Vatican um oh you know what all the way in the beginning in the opening crawl they mentioned that you know uh Lorraine is a uh is a what do you call it? is a clairvoyant um which is just you know fancy word for psychic and um uh, Ed is the only demonologist, not, uh, is the only licensed demonologist who is not a member of, you know, the Catholic Church. And all I can think of was just like Sam and Max Freelance Police. He's a freelance demonologist. He doesn't have to follow any rules because he can't get kicked out of anywhere. Um, and then he performs a successful exorcism at the end. So now he's just, he's got powers now, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's- um, yeah.
0: It's, it's a, yeah, no, I, I guess that's, yeah, that, 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 I guess that comes back somewhat to my, my feeling of feeling weird about the, the material and the totally legit bro thing is there is almost this little bit, you can almost look at this as sort of, uh, you know, transcription of Ed Warren's comic book about how awesome, he is which is uh, i feel like oh, i mean I, it's I,
1: totally a hagiography hey of the warrens yeah, as far as I, like I, their ability to fight ghosts yeah i,
0: I feel i feel dickish about this because it's not like this is you know uh an ed warren production directed by ed warren from a screenplay by ed warren or anything this is not it's, it's not like this is some like weird little wacky you know homemade movie that you know ed warren like ed ed, ed warren is if i'm If I remember right, has been dead for like eight years. You know, this started down the weird slow road to production 20 years ago or something, according to Mm -hmm. Wikipedia. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not like it's an auto hagiography in some sort of embarrassing, you know, Tommy Wiseau, the room sort of muddled way. Uh, you know, it's, it's Hollywood saying, hey, yeah, we can make a good horror movie out of this. But at the same time, it, it, it does feel like, and again, that's why, like, as a television serial, I think it would work so much better there where you could have this idea. You could even develop that as a plot throughout the first season is like his interest in, you know, demonology and his familiarity with the process of exorcism, but how exorcism is not something you want to fuck around with because it's dangerous and, you know, it can go really wrong. And, you know, really there should be an experienced priest involved. And Hey, remember that thing that happened with Lorraine that we don't talk about, you know, that's something you could like, you know, start dropping hints about in the first episode and then, you know, the the sixth and final episode of the season or the series, you can really bring that down and make it a thing. But in the movie, there wasn't really time to mess with that. There was just yep. enough to say, hey, we should do an exorcism, but they can be dangerous. There was that time. Let's try and get a priest involved. Uh, let's try and showrun. Oops, looks like I need to do an exorcism. Doing an exorcism. Exorcism done. You know, it's, it's all just there's not enough time to really develop that as a subplot. So it's managed to simultaneously be like a little bit of a catholic horror film but also not really it's just like you know oh and hey catholic horror films that's a thing uh, you know and it's a little bit of like a a faux documentary with the the stuff being shot on on the 16mm or whatever this is this is yeah i mean that's that's the thing the film has a bunch of things in it that could have independently been taken and developed more fully given a little bit of time or a little bit more focus but instead it feels it feels at times like there's this mishmash of enthusiastic ideas about things you can do with a horror film that none of them really get quite enough breathing room. And, and I think that's to the detriment of even just the core being haunted by stuff. Like, cause I feel like you could get away from the focus on the Warrens as, you know, independent perspective characters. I feel like you get away from some of the, Oh, Hey, but now we're watching film that they actually took, get away from dropping back to the occasional, bit of lecture from the Warrens, you know, strip all of that out and really get down to a core movie about the haunting. And you've got good ghost effects. You've got good scares. You've got a f- terrified family. I mean, it feels like it could have been, uh, 20 minutes shorter and, uh, a bit more focused and spent more time with a couple of those, uh, remaining themes. Uh, and been a been a stronger overall film rather than a film that seems to be aware that it could be part of a franchise.
1: Yeah, this movie is like almost two hours long, and it, it's too long. Uh, they, you know, there's there's definitely a bunch of I, it's not padding, but yeah, it's just like exposition that doesn't matter in this movie. Uh, in In the movie itself where it 's just like you know it, it, if you 're watching Lord of the Rings and you know there 's going to be two more movies, and you 're just like, all right well you know there 's no payoff for like this little bit of setup, but there will be eventually, but in this one it 's just like you 're not nobody 's guaranteed he wasn 't guaranteed a sequel that this wasn 't clearly setting up a franchise to you know to to the audience, like maybe internally they were um, but but yeah there 's like a bunch of stuff in this movie that could just be cut. And just replaced with you know a sentence or two from the Warrens, just like quickly explaining something. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we give uh, lectures at a you know like a college. That let's just do lectures, and bam, you can cut all the lecture stuff out except for like the one scene where they're um, uh, where like Carolyn meets them. But I guess. You know, they, they 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 could have done something different for that. I think just because the amount of work it took to just establish that that whole lecture thing, which still doesn't make any sense to me. Do, how do, do colleges just let anybody give lectures if they want? Well, it could it could have been you not rent so much out the like, space. Yeah, it could have been like you
0: know a special guest speaker. Maybe someone's doing a series on you know. Uh, the paranormal, and so they had guest speakers come in, and, and they were coming through, or something like that. I don't know. I was I was interpreting it more as like a speaking event than as an actual college lecture.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely like a one-off thing. So, but yeah, I was just. I, I, yeah, I, I think
0: I think hosting speakers in auditoriums is not unusual. I've gotten seen a couple random sort of. But for ghost speakers.
1: hunter, oh, I mean, I guess you know if if Brasso can get a whole thing. You know about Brasso? Brasso. Yeah, the gazer. You, you pay, like, four bucks and he gazes oh, at you. God,
0: awesome. Yeah, but not pregnant women.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, no you gazing will at pregnant women. at pregnant women. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess if he can fill up an auditorium for four bucks a head. Uh, I mean, like, the, um, yeah, so... Just trying to... Yeah, this movie was just a, a bit too long for me. Yeah. Um, it it was... Uh, like, the pacing was, was all right, but it it was still over, overly long. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with the pacing. It's just, I was just like, how is... I, at, at no point was I like, how is there this much time left to this movie? But there were points where I was just like, this movie's been going on for a bit. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I, uh... <sighs> yeah and, and, and yeah and, and and that's that's what it is for me too it's not like oh man this film you know what the fuck were they thinking it's more just like a little bit soggy a little bit distracted you know in a way that I think to the extent that it, it it's a good freaky thrill ride you know at times that, that you know some of the scares really work it, it it does seem to distract itself a little bit and, and I feel like uh, it comes back to that sense of them trying to somehow do something uh more and beyond just making the core competent horror movie that I think is at the heart of it, you know, because of the war and stuff because of the based on the true story stuff uh, so yeah, just it, it, it's framing gets in its own way at times and I think that contributes both to a little bit soggy running length and a little bit of tonal unevenness despite all the really sort of cool effective stuff in the middle um, also Yakov says I'm, I'm breaking up over chat so we'll take a quick break maybe <laughs> So we just had some technical difficulties. Where were we before uh, we had to cut off the call? There,
2: we were yeah. talking
0: about things, things and stuff. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: to, to, I think I was just
1: going on and on about how the movie was too long. Yes. Okay. And so then, yes,
0: uh, that we've 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 covered that. I guess you know one thing. Uh, the film was a little bit on the nose with stuff at times. And I think this might come back to the idea that's, you know, based on you know an actual record of events, blah, 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 blah. But it, it did feel at times like this was a movie that, that that would like lay out a little thing like, hmm, something's going on with the clock stopping at oh what time it is, and then the character's like, Oh yeah, the clock stop at, it. boom. And it's like, oh well, now I don't get to be a detective. <laughs> like you give me this you give me this close shot of the clock finally so I can really pin down the moment and then a character just says it anyway. Uh, which, which is not necessarily bad. I mean, it's it's a horror movie, not a mystery necessarily, but it's also kind of, you know, mysterious leads as part of involving the, the viewer in the story. So, yes, 30702. No one bothered to say 02, so I guess I got to still be correct about uh, observing that little detail, which was when what, the original lady
1: hung herself. Um. Yeah, it was her time of death, which, first of all, she's, she was from, like, around the Salem Witch Trials. How did they narrow a time of death down to 307 in, like, the 1600s or 1700s? 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, you, you, I don't – did they have clocks back then that were that accurate that, you know, you had, like, one reference point from which you could say, yep, oh, 307?
0: I think, I think it must just be a, a process of reverse uh – Deduction. They established that there's something weird going on with the clock stopping. They knew that the lady had killed herself in the middle of the night. No, no, Therefore, no. no. It I mean, be, like... must back- have been that it was 307. Oh, did, did they actually claim that there were, like, a coroner report of 307 as time of death?
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they said, like, the the, the the moment was the time of death uh, was 307 when, like, she hung herself. And I'm pretty sure that she they were referring to was the, the witch lady, Bathsheba, from... Yeah. The Salem Witch Trials times, which, you know, like I was just either I misinterpreted that or, you know, like this village in Rhode Island had a really, uh, you know, had a hospital and some really good doctors and a clock.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I agree with you. It it seems it seems kind of absurd. Uh, I I guess I'm just reading it in terms of slightly lazy storytelling like yeah, yeah like the time of death is known because something is up with the clock so that must be what the time of death was yeah. you know yeah i don't know if the i don't know if the film asserted any clearer record than that and it's kind of lazy to throw it around like it's a bit of forensic evidence if in fact no one knows and they just know what happened that night but that's that's just kind of how i took it but yeah it, it, it again it is sort of a weird sort of like that's uh, an example of, like trying to tread on the idea of documentation while at the same time totally failing to credibly, you know, get there. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really kind of, this is one of those moments where it'd be nice if we could have like instant feedback. Cause I'm kind of curious how many people listening to this are just like, Oh Jesus, shut the fuck up about it already. It's not a documentary. Cause I'm not trying to approach it of one, but apparently I'm just really hung up on it in this case. Um,
1: you know I I like the just I it, it's basically a revelation towards the end of the movie that all the ghosts like the legit ghosts haunting the house are scared of the demon. Yeah, that which was pretty nice. cool. Uh um, the
0: idea that the uh, the little little boy blue or whatever the hell mm-hmm.
1: uh Rory I think it. Uh yeah, yeah. yeah, there was Rory and then there was yeah. like the uh what do you call it the maid that killed herself like none of them I mean I think the maid tried to fuck up the cop um but yeah like uh the 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 old lady who I think Rory was her son like the very large old woman with the uh, like with the running mascara like you know when um when Lorraine encounters her she is like not at all uh aggressive or anything it's just like a sad ghost that's scared of like something much much worse than itself
0: yeah which was uh, yeah that that, that was kind of great and I I liked that I liked I liked the the revelation as far as that goes. That often the things, uh, like we get the revelation that things are hitching uh, yeah. on them, and that's sort of like the implication that oh no, that the terrible thing has already found them and is following them. And then yeah, that the fact that it turns out it's like yeah, they're just literally sort of going for a ride to try and get to the hiding place. Uh,
1: so here's the thing: when it when when it hitches onto them, like it does it leave the original location? Like, would, like, if it, if it attaches itself to the Warrens, I mean, with, not, not the Warrens, the, uh, the other ones, the Carolyn and, the, and the yeah, the family. Yeah, if it attaches itself, does them leaving clean out the house from that specific demon and just leave it haunted? Does it clean everything out? Well, the demon wouldn't let,
0: uh, wouldn't let okay. Carolyn leave it Oh, that's out. right, yeah.
1: We got these sort of, like, uh, but she did. She was able to leave in before, and then she came back. But that was already after the demon got into her, which is why yeah. she decided to drive back. Yeah. So, had they restrained her somehow from doing that? You know, would would so the, house the house have been fine? Can,
0: I don't know. I wonder. Because
1: <laughs> here's the here's the thing. Like the 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 big you know the big uh, the big treasure room of haunted shit implies that you know over the course of their career, which I mean, were they supposed to be in like their forties? I guess maybe. I yeah, guess, probably yeah. like the early, mid-40s. So they, they couldn't have been doing this for more than 20 years. And in 20 years, they have, like, a trophy room like that. So there has to be demons and ghosts everywhere. How is literally every house not haunted? <laughs> It's, like there should be demons everywhere because apparently they can just you know mitosis um, and just you know one part of the thing inhabits the house maybe and the other half you know hitches on and goes to haunt something else and when those people die they get stuck there until um, you know it's it's everything in this world should be haunted. Basically,
0: uh, yes. It's it, it's yeah. No, it's uh, it's one of those trying not to think too hard about it because I I want to yeah. keep mostly like the movie things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I I feel like, yeah, I don't have a coherent response to that other than, yeah, at the moment. Uh, little things I liked about the movie because, because I, I did take a bunch of notes and I'm, I, I, I usually we're sort of going over. I, I'm usually kind of going over my notes as we go, but this film feels like so much more just like a collection of pieces that stood out to me. Uh, but some of the some of the other little things I did like. I, I did notice the, the opening crawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching it. I, I really like the cool vertical pan where it, they've got the whatever blah, blah, blah based on the true story stuff. And yeah. then that keeps scrolling up. And that's like in a yellow typewriter typeface. Uh, and then under that comes a big – the conjuring in a big yellow type setting that just scrolls up the screen. And under yeah. that, scrolling evenly with it is the window of the house oh, yeah. like a new house that scrolls up with it as well until the title's off and then the the window stops scrolling. I thought it was it was it was a it was a nice looking shot. It was a it was a yep. cool way to handle the title. Uh, and sort of of a piece with some of the other cinematography stuff we liked in the film like, you know, the the visual
1: yeah, I think the, that was like that's like the visual of, equivalent of, you know, like some music in the scene going from non-diegetic to diegetic where it turns out it's playing out of like somebody's car radio or something. Yeah. It was it was the visual equivalent of that, which I haven't which you know, you don't see often. Um, I think uh yeah, which I, I the the only thing that's like even slightly similar that I can think of is uh, have you watched Fringe?
0: Uh yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Yeah. Oh god, those fucking those fucking yes. scenes. This was much. I I hated those when I first watched Fringe. I watched uh, with the big, Are you talking the,
1: about the big blocky letters? Yeah, the big blocky
0: letters. They cast shadows on the uh, buildings. That was like that was like J, J. Abrams. Just just sit the fuck down <laughs> with that. It was like it was a clever idea, and I feel like I've seen it done better since then. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was just like it was so conspicuously. I have an idea. <laughs> And, and they were integrating these these 3D extruded uh, St. Mary's Hospital, you know police headquarters, whatever stuff into the scenes in a way that was like trying to look sort of like settled into the scene. It's like there's just the, this, this lettering that's not there is there. But it was just so distracting. It was so like, oh, my God, every time you do this, you're saying, look at this awesome thing I pulled off. And also, they didn't really s- totally pull it off consistently, at least in no. those first few episodes. I don't know if it got better or if they had the good sense to just fucking drop it.
1: I, no, they definitely did not drop it because oh, I geez. watched uh, everything except the final season of that show, um, and it goes on through the entire thing.
0: Does, does the um, compositing get better at least? Do they, they choose yeah, yeah, no yeah. the fucking font? I mean.
1: No, the, the font, I think the font stays the same, but they, they, they get a bit better at actually looking like what it's supposed to look like, which is nothing that's like the what's like I don't understand what my reference point's supposed to be for that. It's like, am I supposed to be thinking there's giant letters floating in the sky? Or I, I, the the idea never like sort yeah, of settled it, with me, but the effect was pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't think I don't think it ever coheres. It's it's inescapably a flashy gimmick. Like, there's nothing yeah. that makes it not feel like just a conspicuous "Hey, look what we did" thing. And you know that's okay. I'm not saying you can't do that. But look at this Photoshop was, filter I got. Yeah, it, it's very you know like to to Abrams's credit, you know he used lens flare instead in the Star Trek remakes. And, and, you know, that was a little bit easier to just sort of like run with. It's like, Hey, everything feels really spacey right now, rather than there's giant Helvetica. Um, I don't remember if it was Helvetica or not. I like Helvetica well enough, but, uh, but it extrudes pretty boring, Um, (laughs) you know,
1: and this has been uh, Helvetica talk. Um. oh there's um there's a lens zoom uh in the, back to the movie like in the in the conjuring when uh the little girl finds the uh the creepy ass little circus thing that is very clearly a reference to saw <laughs> um Apparently, he puts, like, references to his movies in his other movies, and, like, Billy the Puppet from Saw appears in all of his movies except this one. But, like, the spiral motif on, like, his extruded cheeks in Saw is, you know, on that thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, so, yeah, when there, there's a shot where, like, one of the girls is, you know, in the doorway of the house, and she's calling to her sister, and then there's, like, this deep 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 and long lens lens zoom onto the sister near the tree and then it cuts to like a close shot but it's a really like i i don't think i've ever seen a zoom that deep in a movie um that wasn't clearly cgi because that looked like camera work
0: i apparently clearly uh uh, didn't even catch that like it didn't jump out to me at the time i guess um i did notice uh the film using slow pans out from the house on a number of occasions. It got me thinking about just the whole general practice of doing a slow pan out on a creepy house in horror movies. Uh, I feel like you could string together a whole bunch of shots from various films that do the same move, which is, I mean, it's not a crazy move or anything. It's just sort of like a sort of an establishing shot a re-establishing shot, but something about the slow pan just says, and things are going to happen. Yeah.
1: Um, there was, um, the laundry scene when, uh, Lorraine well, you know, they have, they have just, dis- this could easily be a horror movie about two creepy ass people that take over a family's house <laughs> 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 and just like try to live their lives. Cause you know, like you've got, you got Lorraine like doing the laundry in the back. You've got, um, Ed like working on the busted Chevy. Yep. It's like, you, you know, it's like, eventually it's like. You could see that this movie is just like, you know, they kill the parents and take over. Yeah. Oh,
0: wait, this is the, um, head of the Rock's cradle. Yeah. Right, right, yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, so during that laundry scene, like, you know, things get really spooky. Uh, You know, there's a reference to the... um, Was there supposed to be, like, you know, like a surprise, like, torrential downpour in Amityville Horror? I don't remember. There was a couple of things. There was definitely, like, a bird thing in it where, like, birds start falling out of the sky. And then there was some kind of weather thing. So, like, a weather thing starts happening, like, the clear blue day. Just, like, you know, black clouds come out of nowhere and, like, the wind picks up. And, like, one of the the laundry sheets is blown off of the line and just sticks to... you know, like something in midair that's like roughly the outline of a person. Yeah. Uh, just for like a couple, like, you know, like a second or so. And then just, it doesn't sweep off it as it just goes right through it, smacks against, you know, a window, like directly into the window, covers up the entire window with a sheet, and then gets pulled off the side of the house. And then you see um, one of the little girls like creepily walking across. And it was just like, that was. It, it, this demon has you know like really put a lot of thought into this cuz that was very you, you had to time that well yeah. you know you've got all these different you you've got to do the weather you got to have make sure the thing blows away into a particular space then you got to make sure it blows at the window and then the girl you know it's it's um
0: I figure you're a demon you got yeah. time on your hands Yeah, it's like uh, like a mini
1: heist movie in this where, like, you know, there's this very complicated (laughs) plan. Like, I could almost see, like, after, like, everything happens, she's just like, oh, no, and runs in the house. The demon's like, yes! It finally worked! I've been trying this for years. Every family that that lives here, I tried to do that, and it never worked. Um, It's just like, you know, if I die, or, you know, if I get exercised, at the very least, I pulled this off.
0: (laughs) Uh, other little things I liked. Oh, you know, and that, that that reminds me. We were talking about the question of whether Judy Warren, the kid, uh, e- was even alive. Uh, that was right when uh, me and Angela, were watching it, started talking about that because, like, that was the point where, like, there's like, you know, I you, I, I miss this or I can get used to this or I like this. You know, it's talking about the family's life and you know, being out here and it's sunshiny and and Lorraine's hanging up laundry and. All this stuff. And and that was the moment it was kind of like, oh, hey, they like this. What? They like the whole having children thing? Being a family thing? Getting back to being a family that has children? Is Judy dead? Oh my God, Judy's been dead the whole time. You know, that was definitely the thing that prompted it because it had that feeling of like, hey, what if this was our life? Definitely definitely did sort of hit me as well so
1: i i it wasn't that scene for me for me it was when they exchanged the lockets when you know she like finds the lockets and you're like oh god is this going to be another haunted item it's like no we got it to church sales it's like all right yeah you know it was in a church it's probably clean it was just like you know mine's got pictures of me and you and you've got you know yours has a picture of me so we're together forever i'm just like is this setting up what i think it's setting up and then from that point i was just like is she dead because like every time she's referred to like lorraine looks you know physically pained and you know they 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 uh you know it just there was all these like little things where where i i can't imagine you weren't supposed to at least think that a little bit but why why throw like a c plot in this yeah
0: well again with the you know if it was a series you know yeah uh yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting. I didn't I didn't think about maybe Judy's dead at that point. I was still reading that credibly, but that's immediately what I thought back to once we got to the, hey, this is nice, wouldn't it be nice scene where I was like, oh, wait, so was that earlier? Oh, was that? Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I, I definitely jumped back to that immediately and started looking at it in that new light. Um, I'm actually kind of disappointed that the daughter apparently wasn't dead now because I think, uh, you know... We both spent time thinking about it in the film. It, it would have been an inter- yeah. interesting twist, but instead, uh, presumably, their daughter was not actually dead in reality. And since this is a documentary, then you know the daughter can't be dead in this either. Um, I liked some other stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I liked, I liked the many references to farts. Like, yeah. Like, and yeah. I realized eventually it was like, oh, it's because, you know, the smell of the demon. Not even sulfur, but rotting meat apparently mm-hmm. was a specific smell. But anyway, dialogue like Stop Farting, It Really Stinks basically makes a horror movie for me. At that point, you know, I'm on board. Uh,
1: oh, there, they, they started setting up something between, like, Drew and the petulant teenage daughter. Oh, yeah. That no payoff whatsoever, even though there's – foreshadowing to it like you know the very first thing is like she's being a petulant teenager it's like oh my god could this place be any more whatever um and then that and lorraine says like you know first time she meets a cute boy you know she'll snap out of it and then you know there's clearly like a like a you know flirty like but innocently like flirty good-natured interaction between her and drew and then that goes nowhere yep why waste the the film time on on that if you're not doing anything with it? Like I for the entire thing when he's running around yelling "Cindy, Cindy," I kept thinking, is like, is he looking for like the teenage daughter? Because that would make sense. But no, he's looking for like the little blonde girl. <laughs> Just like, well, uh, all right, I guess.
0: Trying to be professional, um, man. He's kind yeah. of. So
1: he totally fucks up their floor. There's no other way, no other way into the that part of the house except uh, just smashing directly through the kitchen floor. I guess. I
0: thought that was a weird thing about uh, late in the film uh, when Lorraine falls through whatever the thing upstairs down in the basement. Yeah. I understand that nobody else knows where she fell to, and so I can put together like i i can get into a theory of mind thing and say okay they saw her they saw her fall a bit they're probably going to think oh well she fell a bit maybe she's on the main floor now somewhere trapped in some space and so they go to the main floor and we get multiple shots of them like trying to figure out where she is and banging on the wall and yelling to her but at no point did anybody like you know go down to the basement where maybe she was and again it, 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 okay this is a complicated my complaint here I want to frame this carefully because the thing is I don't think it's dumb that they didn't psychically know that she was in the basement but I think it's a little bit dumb that the movie showed us a bunch of shots of people trying to figure out if she was in a space we knew she wasn't in that had no other role in the movie that they didn't do anything interesting with. We just got a bunch of... like. It feels like to, to the extent that the film is based on a narrative of how this whole thing went, this feels like a part of the narrative they could have just sort of shrugged and said, you know, let's just reframe around that because it's sort of a... A distracting, tedious thing of people yelling and banging on a wall that we have no investment in because there's nothing interesting about the fact that they're wrong. That maybe she's in that space that we don't see and don't care about. You know, yeah. it, it felt like as much as anything, maybe it just it needed to be there to justify the fact that she remained alone in the basement and you know long enough for the other things to happen. But uh, yeah, it felt a little bit, It felt a little bit distracted.
1: Yeah, there was, um, I, I got distracted, so there's, like, this wardrobe that, you know, uh, the haunted wardrobe. Where the hiding um, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where that thing is, and, you know, like, it's it's set up to be, like, something weird. It's clearly not their furniture, even though that's not established until later in the movie, which kind of confused me. But it's like, you know, if you're going to establish this item in the house as something weird, at least set up the fact that you didn't move in with it. Um, but yeah, so you know, like one of the, the sleepwalking girl like keeps bumping her head on it, and when they're playing hide and clap, and the mom's like uh, blindfolded, like one of the first encounters with the ghost is like uh, the ghost reaching out. It's one of the ghosts reaching out at hand, clapping through the closet, through the clothes yeah, in there, yeah. and then eventually they use the UV light in a way that I've. I mean, are these people sweating bleach? Uh, how how I don't think UV lights work like yeah, that. I think
0: they were going for sort of like a a, a thermal thing, but UV was the more effective. Uh, way to present it, especially with like, you know, 70s era technology. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, that's, that's, it's, it's just, I don't think it is that UV works like that at all because I've definitely been to clubs where the only lighting is like UV lighting and my handprints did not leave white marks on anything.
0: <laughs> Angela's comment at the time was like, how many cum states are they going to find them? <laughs> Uh, that, well, actually, it's like
1: that, all right. First, it's like I got to show you how this works. First, let, let ejaculate into your hand, rub it in real good, and put your hand down here. Uh,
0: um, that that brings up a whole thing that uh, me and Angela talked about while we were watching it, and and her thesis that she presented was that uh, you know setting this in the seventies is the right time to set it in, considering the relative age of contemporary audiences for these things. I think it's safe to say if a horror movie does a lot of money, it's largely because a lot of younger people uh, came out to see it. Like obviously older people too, but you know, the number of people who are in their sixties and have a real, real solid contemporary adult take on technology at the time versus people who maybe weren't born yet in 1971, you know, I think it's more the younger crowd is going to be seeing the movie. So you set your movie about paranormal stuff in the seventies and you can kind of do whatever you like with the technology. Um, because you aren't going to have many people saying, "Oh, but no, that's not appropriate," because I remember blah blah blah. Whereas, if maybe you said it in the '80s or the '90s, people are going to have, by and large, a better grasp of what the sort of state of the art in terms of both general technology and maybe sort of notional paranormal technology was, and be able to call bullshit on it easier. So the mo- the movie may sort of get some cover on some of the stuff just by saying, "Oh, well, you know, yeah, that looks like I guess that looks like uh, probably probably '70s ish." Yeah. yeah,
2: it's
0: not a well, cell phone.
1: <laughs> okay, so that 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 club back to that closet. So there's there's a hole in the wall behind it. That hole in the wall leads down to like another part of the basement, I guess. And I think it's implied that like one of the somebody got hanged through there, like yeah, their body was dropped down, something like that. It's right?
0: Because uh, there's a noose. Yeah. So so Lorraine goes into the hidey hole behind the wardrobe. The the demon, the demon in the wardrobe, is the name of this film. Yeah. Um, and 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 she finds this noose, uh, and then and then she falls through the floorboards and and falls apparently, you know it must be like twenty feet down. Oh yeah, the, yeah. She through, takes she takes the, a
1: long. It's like a, it's almost a comically long fall. Yeah, yeah. Just like um, what's her name, uh, Carolyn, like falling down like three flights of stairs. <laughs> Um, and just going like, ow, 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 the whole yeah. time. It's just like Homer falling down that, uh, falling down the and, cliff and just yeah. like hitting everything on the, on the way down. Um, um,
0: so she, she falls down and then, and then when she's down there, she's looking around, she's using the music box. Uh, she sees, uh, Rory and Rory's mom holding Rory and crying and then, then doesn't see her and then turns around and then she's right there cause ghosts just fucking love that. Uh, but then, as you noted, yeah, it seems like Rory's mom who killed little Rory isn't, like, attacking her. She's just in the basement and looking sad and then spooked. And, uh, and then we see there's a big clatter and we see uh, feet and a nightgown
1: Stop and the feet the resemble day. what, like, the feet next to uh, Ed's head um, when uh, yeah. Lorraine has the vision. Like, it's the same sort of posing. Yeah. So the, the implication is that yeah, this is, you know, this she is, is that witch lady being, being hanged.
0: This is our core, core yeah. witch lady ghost. Yeah. Uh, and and she stops abruptly as if being hung. You know, we never see the noose at this point. We just have had seen the noose up above before Lorraine fell through. So there's a clear implication that this ghost is, like, hanging itself and that's just like – I guess that's – it likes to make an entrance and that's the entrance it's making. But but I don't understand why the noose is there because I don't know if the implication is that she hung or caused to hang another resident and then she's just reusing the noose as like a visual gag. Like she's just got a nice sense of humor and style about haunting people. Uh, yeah,
1: like I think, I think like that's her shtick. Like when she appears, she appears sometimes as if she's like in the process of being hanged because it's really creepy. Yeah. Because she's, because then she starts like, you see the flags start like floating. But also that, I mean, that wasn't a totally successful shot because all I could think was the, um, you know, like the, uh, the automated like clothes, um, thing in a, in a laundromat or a dry cleaning place where, you know, like they press the button and the clothes just cycle so they could, <laughs> like on the conveyor belt, so they could pull out the right thing. It was just like, well, now she's on a conveyor belt and just like slowly going to make a full circle. Um, the, uh, they, they did some, some great stuff with uh, just Bathsheba, uh, you know, just appearing in places. Like when she appears on top of that closet, that was scary as hell yeah um, oh yeah so my problem with the closet so the the hole in the back there is clearly it, it's not a hole that was made in the house it's not like the cellar where the cellar was boarded up it's it's looks it looks like a hole that's pounded into the wall to get into the crawl space yeah but the closet itself has like a movable door in the back to access it because they didn't break anything they just slid this door over yeah what what did what's up with that closet that like the ghost have it specifically designed to do that (laughs) so the human beings could get into that crawl space if they figure out this completely unintuitive thing that like the back of the wardrobe opens for no good reason um that 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 bugged me like there was no like if it opened to like a a like a a you know like something, something like something. like a do like a if it was covering up like a doorway to the cellar like that would make a little more sense but like before that hole was there the only thing that that little door would lead to would just be wall um and if that hole was there already did why the wardrobe fits it perfect yeah it just could not make make any sense out of that
0: yeah that that that, that um, is a good point i hadn't really thought about that at the time i was just sort of running with it but uh it does not make a whole lot of sense yeah. uh there 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 there's a there's a point in the film somewhere i don't know early mid film where we've got the dad is asleep the tv is on tuned to a dead channel he wakes up so you've got the the, the snow on the tv you've got creaking doors you've got mysterious knocking and, uh, you know, it, it was probably, but it struck me as such a, a collection of here are creepy things that happen in a haunted yeah. house situation. Just like bam, bam, bam. It felt like, you know, by the way, in case you had not figured it out, this is a movie about a haunted house. Just just, yeah. just, just a big pile of cultural clues there, I guess. Or maybe, you know, the, 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 I always wonder if, if the TV is something where someone's like, oh, hey, yeah, let's make a nod to Poltergeist. Or just saying, oh, hey, you know, TV left on is scary. You know, it feels like it kind of almost has to be a Poltergeist reference every single time, but maybe that's giving Poltergeist too much credit for just having it
1: No, TV. I think it definitely, like, in, in the horror movie context, like, the the, the 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 blank TV or the TV doing something creepy or something creepy coming out or into the TV is definitely, like, Poltergeist had that. They, they, they got that until, like, something beats it. Um, but what was he doing? He's a trucker, right? So you just yep. see him, like, by a desk... And it's the 70s, so there's no computer added, which is weird. And he's like, he looks, he's, he's, hey, he has passed out doing some sort of paperwork and drinking. Cause he's got like, you know, he's got his uh, fancy. Well, he was, uh, he was filling
0: out a, yeah. a TPS report.
1: Right, you know, it's like I have a paperwork job I couldn't drink through that. Like how and he apparently drank enough that like the combination of liquor and being tired just made him pass out face first on the desk. So I'm going to assume is,
0: he was uh working on a crossword puzzle <laughs> or or maybe he's a maybe he's a frustrated author. Maybe that's why like you know trucking No, like
1: The Shining.
0: Yeah, yeah. He is. He, he's basically. He's he, the, whole the, movie, the whole movie. The whole movie is a filmed yeah. version of the short horror story move story that he's trying to write, and that's why some of the things just don't make sense and don't quite track, and that's why there's this sort of Mary Sue thing going on with Ed Warren. Oh, they uh, are
1: absolutely. Just he's so writing. Hard suit out. Yeah,
0: he, he's writing some sort of weird. Mm-hmm twisted uh like self insert by proxy story about uh wanting to kill his wife and children
1: that's like what it is this is this is the author not good enough to have been the author in the shining
0: <laughs> this is this, this, this is the, is the, guy that the vague make glowing that's what yeah. this is. and so he had to yeah uh i think that i think that's probably it. i think we've i think we've cracked the code that's what's going <laughs> on uh I liked, I liked when we first had the whole Rory thing, like the whole kid talking to their invisible friend who is, in fact, some sort of ghost thing is such a trope that I really didn't know initially if uh, – April? Was that little April maybe? Sure. Or Cindy, one of them. I think that was- anyway, little blonde girl. Uh, I really didn't know if the film was going to go in one direction or the other. Like, like, It seems like just having a kid have an actual bullshit imaginary friend would be the best thing you could possibly do in a horror movie about whatever else is going on just because it's, like, it's it's so established that it's going to turn out to be, like, a ghost or something, that having the kid actually just be a little kid with an imagination who's, like, gumming up the works by being a kid, I think that'd be a... I think that'd and be a good
1: possibly point. fucking with the adults, because she definitely, like, plays a trick on... Car- uh, either Was it Carolyn? It was Carolyn, where she was just like, you know, if you're looking at, Rory appears, and then, like, Rory does not appear, so she just, just comes up behind her mom and spooks her.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> that was... So, yeah, and, um... Yeah, they, they definitely did, like, you know, she's, like, talking to somebody, and then, like, the door opens some more, and there's nobody sitting there. I was actually waiting for maybe somebody to actually be there, because it's such a cliched shot that I, I was surprised that they just went with it just, the you know, the by the book, although... You know, like when she does turn to the camera, which at this point is Carolyn, her mom. She did like her face drops, and you're like, "Oh shit!" is something like evil coming in, but no, it just turns out to be her mom. Yeah. Um. So you know that was a a little bit off the beaten path, but yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that they 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 had that shot in this movie just because it's such a that kind of shot from this kind of movie. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and, and the. The movie uses uh, several mirror shots too. And obviously, the, the, the circus music box thing uh, is the big recurring thing there, uh, where we we have it seen various times throughout the film. You know, Carolyn doesn't see anything when April's talking to Rory. Uh, later, it does see some things. Uh, Lorraine sees some stuff in it. Uh, sometimes doesn't see some stuff in it. The closing shot of the film is the box sitting in the, the the haunting room at the Warrens' house, showing us a reflection of nothing. But is it really nothing, or can we just not see it? You know, it, they used that a bunch to the point where I almost kind of got tired of that little music box by itself. But then there's a couple mirror shots after after Carolyn uh, after you know Lily Taylor's character has that. Interaction about Rory and not seeing it the fake-out scare from the little girl uh, a little bit later we get uh, like back-to-back mirror shots of Carolyn uh, neither of which do anything with it like there's nothing there but it's very conspicuously framed to have her looking in a mirror at that slight <laughs> off angle where something could be back there and then, the, then we don't see anything And I I realize to some extent it could be the film sort of giving us a sense of, well, we've established things can be there even though you might not as a viewer see it or the character might not as the character see it. Uh, And we establish in the long run that this demon's working on Carolyn. So maybe the implication as well, whether or not you see it, it's there and it's doing its work. But in the meantime, just a subjective experience as a viewer is like, oh, it's a mirror shot. I wonder if there's going to be something. No. Oh, it's immediately another mirror shot. No. (laughs) You know, and it feels like doing it back to back like that was like a little bit just like actively fucking with us. Uh, Like you get away from the, oh, am I just being, am I reading too much into this to being like, no, I'm not reading too much into this. They're doing this on purpose. They're just not doing anything with it. They're just making me wonder just so I can wonder and then nothing happens, which is a little bit tricky.
1: Uh, How did nobody realize that that, like, thing is, like, some sort of hideous artifact of unknown horror? It's so odd. I mean, it's a creepy little circus music box. How do you not just, like, just throw that in the <laughs> fucking lake right now? Just right now.
0: People, people are always blind to the creepiness of yeah. stuff in, in horror films. It's, it's, it's a real problem. Uh, it's
1: like, I found this intricately carved skull with ruby eyes.
0: <laughs> it makes a little moaning sounds. I think <laughs> I
1: should give it to the, the toddler. Yeah. Uh, there, um, there was a shot when Lorraine, um, the first time I think she sees Rory because she uses the music box. And you see her doing the same thing that Carolyn did, which was just like slow, like circle the mirror like around the room to get different angles on it. Yeah. But the angle at which we finally see Rory is the full the mirror, the, the entire mirror is in the full screen but you can't see Lorraine reflected in it and you do see Rory that's, I don't think that's how mirrors work she couldn't have seen, there's no angle at which she could have simultaneously seen into the mirror and have the mirror not reflect her at all
0: I have have given up a long time ago on ever expecting the optics of mirror scenes (laughs) to work in movies, like every once in a while I actually see one, I feel like that that seems like it was shot by someone who was a stickler for optics but it's hard to do because the framing <laughs> framing the stuff in the camera in such a way that the actor is seeing what they're supposed to be seeing that they're making uh, eye contact with the thing that they're the, the camera's out the of the shot. shot the camera's out of the shot the things in the shot line of sight is correct you know it's i think it's i think it is in Filmmaker's defense, legitimately difficult to actually get all of those things right and also end up with a well-composed shot. And so it's one of the one of those spaces where I, I, I try to just not think about it because I know I'll get annoyed about the optics uh, involved. And I just try and run with it because I understand the scene you're trying to make here and we all understand – that, you know, if you don't think too hard about it, the, the idea is communicated. And so, fine. Mirrors just always get to do magical realism in TV and film
1: because I just... I feel like this is the kind of movie where they could have just afforded, like, the composite CGI shot of that that, you know, with proper optics. But I guess, like... If two guys who have a podcast about horror movies have noticed this and it's just like, all right, well, that that happened that, you know, most of the audience is not concerned with the fact that that's not how mirrors work.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think at the end of the day, it's it's just like my
1: Morbo moment. Mirrors do not work that way.
0: It's not going to pull too many people out. So it's like, let's just run with it. Uh, I liked. Um, the- I'm picturing,
1: you know, I just, I, I have to say that just like, just soon as you said that, I pictured just like a guy in, you know, a short sleeve white button down shirt with like a pocket protector and like black slacks and a very tight haircut, big thick glasses, just seeing that scene and just storming out of the theater. <laughs> I.
0: I- I, I should go see more movies so I can start storming out of
1: them. Like, you know, as have you infant, ever seen anybody storm out of them. have never seen anybody. I've seen people leave a movie in the middle, but I've never seen anybody storm out of a yeah. movie like upset.
0: I, you know, I, I feel like I have a dim memory of someone actually standing up and saying, well, you know, and then walking out of a movie. But I can't remember what. So like to the point where I don't know if I actually remember experiencing this or if I'm just compositing this together from, you know, seeing it happen or someone telling a story. Uh, writing yeah, a Generally speaking, to the
1: directors of Babe, Piggin, and City about this pig anatomy. Totally inaccurate.
0: Yeah, I would say, generally speaking, it is not something that I have experienced uh, as a thing that actually happens at the movies I go to. Uh, possibly I just go to stupid movies, though. I mean, <laughs> maybe everybody's on board with how dumb whatever we're watching is. Yeah, this. I mean,
1: uh, yeah, I guess, what what could, like, the nutty professor, how badly could the nutty professor piss you off that you storm out of it, have... <laughs> Having,
0: having gone in in the first place, yeah. Uh, I like uh, I, I liked the cellar piano. Uh, yeah, just, just makes for setting noises. up. the... Well, no, actually, it, it it sounded like it sounded it sounded like a real piano. I mean, it sounded like a, a badly it? neglected piano. The thing is, pianos uh, tend to have multiple strings per note, uh, more up top, less so. So the, so the bottom maybe octave or so of, a, of an upright piano uh, is probably going to have a single string for each note for the bottom octave or so. It'll be big coil wound strings. Uh, but after that, you start moving into having a pair of strings next to each other. Um, so you can get, basically you can get more volume uh, because the strings themselves get smaller and smaller as they get thinner moving along the piano uh, because of acoustics. Uh, and so you start doubling up the strings so you get more volume. But as soon as you double up, you've got two different strings, and those strings can go out of tune from each other pretty easily. And then farther up the piano, you even have three strings at a certain point. Uh, So if those get out of tune with each other, you can get a really weird, genuinely warbly, phasey effect when you strike a note. And so if you you go poke at old pianos that have been neglected, um, you'll actually hear that sort of sound. I mean I'm not saying for sure that they didn't do a little bit of extra engineering to up the wacky factor but basically that sounded like a neglected old piano um, it is that, so that it sort makes of,
1: like that like creepy ass like almost synthesizory like noise yeah you
0: get you get you get two strings that are like a little bit out of tune with each other and you get uh acoustic uh, beats beating is the f- name of the phenomenon when you have two near frequencies uh you end up getting this interference pattern between the sounds they're emitting where you get these high points uh, where the waves form sync up. And then when the waves get out of sync, uh, it drops out and then comes back up. And so you, you, ever, you ever watch uh, windshield wipers on a bus that seem yes. to be on like different motors? And so they're, 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 they're beating together for a little bit, but one's going a little bit faster than the other. Uh, and so then they end up getting out of sync to where they're basically taking turns and then they slowly get back into sync. And then for a few swipes, they're swiping at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a perfect visual metaphor for the acoustic thing going on with two near frequencies because it's the same thing. I mean you imagine the, the wiper going back and forth is the sound wave moving up and down. So if you laid two sound waves at very near frequencies over each other, there would be the brief periods where they're uh, – cresting at the same time, and then they'd slowly get out of sync to eventually they're cresting exactly out of time and then move back into time. Uh, every, every period in there where they're cresting at the same time, acoustically, that's a beat. That's a, a louder pulse of energy uh, because the waves are additive. If you take those two waves and, and add up the height of each wavelength at each little moment, you would end up with a new, summed together, weirder-looking wavelength all of its high points would be the beats. Those are the high points of energy of the, the combined frequencies. Uh, so, so that's that's sort of what's going on with that piano where you get the words mm-hmm. synthy, warbly sound coming out of it. It's because of that acoustical interference between the two out of tune strings or the three out of tune strings. Uh, this is something people do with guitar on purpose too. Sometimes it's a it's a classic little electric guitar move in particular where someone will take a note They'll 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 fret a note like one note like one like semitone under the next higher note on a string one up the the guitar maybe uh, and they'll take the lower note that's a half step down and they'll bend it so it gets up real close to the note above it uh, where it's just off by a little bit and you get this like, sort of overlay texture to uh, guitar note. Uh, which is this is a really hard thing to explain in a way that makes sense. I wish I could name a specific super famous song using it, but uh, but anyway. So in the summary, that piano was I think less fake than it sounded like. Even though they were probably generating the the sounds from a synthesizer, they were probably generating something that was a fairly faithful out of tune piano sound. Uh, but anyway, I just liked it because I liked the they managed to set up diegetic spooky music. Yeah. by visiting the piano earlier and then later like a demon or maybe Rory is playing the piano and it's like eh, it's spooky horror movie music but it's actually just the piano being played I, I liked I liked that basically and then later they like throw someone at the piano and that was funny too to me uh,
1: <laughs> there's a I, cr- um, I just want to say there was a couple of moments in this movie where again this is just like going toward the somewhat campy theory where like the character might as well be pointing in front of them and saying "G go 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 g ghost," and then just running away with a bongo run um just because it was it was that sort of like uh just just like the emotion in that scene was that like sort of over the top scared, which would be appropriate, but you know it's like it it, it was almost cartoonish at be points yeah.
0: again, yeah it's sort of a little bit uneven. Uh, and something that I think would have seemed less cartoonish if the movie had stuck more consistently with sort of like an oppressive escalating ghost story uh, tone instead of jumping around with a little bit of the relationship stuff and a little bit of the vague trying to be, you know, nodding to documentary sort of stuff. But uh, There's a nice quick Dutch angle on Lily in silhouette at the top of the stairs into the basement at one point. There's a real quick shot. There's like, you know, darkness with light from the doorway and then Lil... Uh, Lily, uh, Carolyn, as a, as a silhouette there. But the whole thing was decidedly canted like by 30 degrees or something. It was the tiniest little thing. I didn't notice a whole lot of Dutch angle stuff in the film otherwise. Uh, but that one, for some reason, jumped out at me. That that sort of strong tilt to the camera in a static shot. Uh, also, you know what? A thing that bugs me with people who are lighting matches to create light and dark places in movies, you chain the fucking matches. When the first match is still going, you pull out the next match, and you light it off the first match. And then it's never dark. You just you keep them moving like that. You don't just wait for it to go out and then try and start another one in the dark. I realize it sets up the scare where something's there when it wasn't before. But it's so dumb. It's so fucking dumb. You're terrified. You want light. You have light. Make light. Just, just make some fucking light. Just
1: figure it out. Well, you could say they were making light of the situation. Uh, I hate you. Uh...
0: oh i had i had one idea that was excited about that the film doesn't do anything with but kind of makes me wonder if someone has done with it like the the whole hide and clap stuff it's it's presented as i guess observation and imitation is the implication like you know the, the the ghosts or specifically the demon lady i guess is the responsible party uh sees them doing this and decides to use it against them to freak them out uh is I, does that does that track with your general impression of
1: what we're I, it was unclear who like because occasionally you know you the camera captures like Rory a few times and then there's like childlike giggling it's really unclear as to whether like uh, the demon can command the ghosts whether the ghosts are sometimes malevolent and sometimes not like when the arms reach out and clap while she's blindfolded I have no idea who that is I don't know if that's Bathsheba I don't know if that's Rory, and then when, um, you know, like the, the, the door slams on the um, the door slams on the, uh, the the basement while Carolyn is like at the top of the stairs and, you know, she lights a match and like the hands come out and clap and the match goes out and they're screaming, which was such a good shot I really yeah. like that <laughs> um, I have no idea whose hands those are supposed to be I, I don't know if it's Rory or if it's you know, one of the other ghosts or if it's yeah, I've got no idea what that's supposed to be, so I'm not sure Sure,
0: but in any case, we agree that it's so. Uh, so yes, my 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 random theory
1: uh, is
0: that 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 it's not in fact imitation by any of the ghosts uh, that we're associating with the story. Uh, it's it's memory because what is going on is they're being haunted by their own time traveling ghosts. Mm. At some point, the Perrin family ends up traveling through time. Maybe the Doctor Who shows up. The Doctor Who, that's his name, right? Or it could the be Doctor like a lost Who. in
1: space thing. And
0: uh, by by whatever means, they end up going back in time and then dying in their own house. And then they keep playing hide and clap forever and ever and ever. And the giggling is not because it's malevolent giggling from some sort of terrible ghost taking pleasure and they're frightened. It's actually, wee, hide and clap. I like playing hide and clap. It's fun. So I, anyway, would, yeah, I just
1: realized that I, I'd like to see a, a series of films with just, like, that family moving, like, into a house and going into, like, a different genre of movie each time. Like, the next one they move into, it turns, like, it takes them back in time for some reason. <laughs> the one after that, like, it's shot into space. You know, just, like, they just have really bad luck. Because it, it really is, like, a, an almost, like, sitcom-y sort of – it's, like, you know, mom and dad and five daughters or seven daughters – I think it was seven, right? Uh, they have a shitload of kids.
0: I want to say five or six. But yeah, I, I definitely had yeah. this this thought at some point that, uh, that yeah, this is kind of like the Brady Bunch, if all the boys yeah. had died. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, they were watching the Brady Bunch at some point.
0: Yeah, the, I made that note and then, and then the Brady Bunch comes. I was like, oh, motherfucker. And there's you know, one of the girls whose name is Cindy. She was the she was the sleepwalking one. She was the one who Rory was sleepwalking, hitchhiking, and banging her I head against Cindy the wall. I thought Cindy was maybe? the blonde one because the no, girl that, that, that was doing April. that was a brunette. Yeah. Oh, all right, whatever. Yeah. So it, it, it screws with the Brady Bunch connection, but uh, go yeah. figure. This is the in summary, this is the least coherent Brady Bunch adaptation I have ever seen. There's thoughts on yeah. the subject.
1: There's a shot almost all the way at the end of the movie where they can't get through the front door of the house, so the cop like takes a shotgun, shoots at the lock, and the door just bursts open like somebody kicked it. Yep. I, that's, I don't think that's how that works. I think, I think
0: shotguns in movies are, are one of those things. It's kind of like mirrors. It's less defensible than mirrors because mirrors I can justify in terms of shot. The shotgun thing is just dumb.
1: Yeah. If, I, you ever, if, you, if you ever find yourself stuck in a movie, get a mirror and a shotgun, you're invincible.
0: Yeah, you're all set. Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that depending on how it hit the door and what the transfer of mass was, it could have simultaneously destroyed the lock and thrown some energy. Because they have special
1: rounds that um, are supposed to bust open locks, but the way they work is that the round is just um, like a heavy powdered metal so that it it'll hit it with a lot of force because it's coming out, you know, it's still coming out of a shotgun, but then rather than penetrating the door, it all just tumbles to the ground as, you know, just, uh, cause it's just, you know, it's like sand, it's just sand made of metal. So it's not going to penetrate through it. It all just drops to the ground. So it just busts the lock without doing, you know, serious damage to the door.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's sort of a, a really good kick coming out of gun.
1: Um, Um, There was a foreshadowing shot um, when, you know, when so Carolyn, the whole time, she's developing these strange bruises, which is just one of those haunted house things, and you see her, like, in the bathroom, and she takes out, like, some medicine, and it just says, iron polysaccharide, and she takes it, and, you know, they clearly, like, want you to know what she's taking, but unless you know... Uh, unless you you are or know somebody very well who has an iron deficiency or anemia, that means nothing to you. Yeah, um, and like she mentions that she has an iron deficiency. I'm like, is that the pale? Well, okay, I'm not. I, I think I don't think
0: it's that she mentioned she has an iron deficiency so much as that's kind of what they conclude. Because like initially yeah. the bruises are mysterious and right. the husband of someone says hey. Well she's what, already will you got do? a
1: prescription for it. But yeah, I mean well, oh, that's I right. he says go to the I doctor.
0: Yeah, I don't know that we know she has a prescription before that. I think my interpretation was that weird bruises, what's that about? Hey, would you go to the doctor? Yeah, I'll do that. Not seen on camera is her going to the doctor, doctor right. saying, Hey, that's weird. Sounds like an iron deficiency, let me get you a prescription. Yeah. She has a prescription. We see her taking her prescription. But the film, like a lot of that was elighted. Like none of that was made super
1: Clearly yeah, so I'm, I, I just did not understand the point of telling us that it's, you know, iron polysaccharide. I even, you know, I, I looked it up. I'm like, is it supposed to be, you know, maybe it's something like lithium that, you know, maybe she has, you know, some sort of psychological disorder. And, you know, that's going to sort of feed into the whole are who's, you know, are they really seeing ghosts or not? Because, yeah. you know, they had that whole thread set up the whole time that only some people can see the ghosts. And they were never specific as to what the circumstances are, short of the fact that Lorraine can see them whenever she wants. Yeah. Um or whenever or that they reveal themselves more readily to her something like that the yeah. just the 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 logic behind who can see ghosts and who can't and who can see what kind of ghosts because nobody sees can see like the dark presence except her yeah um yeah so yeah the the movie's sort of unclear about that that sort of thing so yeah I was just wondering it's like maybe she's got a psychological but no it's just you know iron supplements it's like all right that's you know, thanks for letting me know. I guess well, yeah,
0: that feels that feels like another example of yeah, the the sort of the tendency of the film to sometimes seem to want to stick to the story as it exists, presumably, almost for the sake of being faithful to the story rather than making the effective dramatic film that they're clearly ultimately making. Like that may be just one of those things where it's like, okay, well. This happened and this is part of the true story that we're totally telling. So let's make sure we include a you know, visual reference to it to follow through on that thread okay. that doesn't matter at all for the movie.
1: I wonder if there's like just a like a scene of her going to the doctor on the cutting room floor that's totally spooky but completely useless.
0: <laughs> or just totally boring. Like, I, yeah. I, yeah, I could see it going either way, but a uh,
1: half hour shot of her in the waiting room.
0: There, there's a point where Ed Warren is explaining the, the, the process of possession where he's got written on the back mm-hmm. blackboard, the three steps infestation, oppression and possession. And all I could think the whole time was always be closing, <laughs> always be closing. You know, it, it's just like this tiny little shred of uh, Brady Bunch in there yeah. or Bra- <laughs> Brady Bunch, you know, the classic <laughs> David Mamet film Brady Bunch. <laughs> Not the Brady Bunch, just Brady
1: Bunch, and it's just people yelling. (laughs) First prize is a car, second prize a set of knives, third prize is you're possessed by a demon, (laughs) and (laughs) Brady, Brady,
0: Greg Ross. Um, Also, I had this thought at one point when I was trying to figure out where I recognized Ed Warren from, well, Mm -hmm. I mean the actor, but I I was thinking, if you replaced that actor with Will Arnett... Oh as, yeah, that's, as, as Job, yeah, All of a sudden, this becomes the driest fucking satire of horror I've ever seen. You know, it's like everything about the sort of like, well, you know, there's probably a rational explanation. You know, it's it's an illusion, Michael. Um,
1: <laughs> it seems like it could work. I want them to reshoot this movie with Will Arnett so yes, badly now. Yes, uh, just like that Spanish Dracula. You know about that? No where so a lot of, when they shot horror movies um, well, what would happen was that like you know they would have the sets and costumes and everything and they would shoot these horror movies and what would happen is like a uh, like a crew from like a different country usually like a south or central american country i think it was I, like 90% sure it was just mexico because i mean mexico's right there and they would just shoot the exact same movie at night with the same costumes just in spanish and just the exact same movie, the exact way they shot it, you know, before, but just in Spanish. So there's yeah. this version of, like, the original Dracula film that has different actors, and everybody's speaking Spanish, but otherwise it's the exact same movie. Nice. Um, yeah, so I just wanted, want them to do that. But instead of Spanish, it's, it's Will Arnett um, playing it, like, you know, roughly as straight as Will Arnett can play as a, you know, paranormal investigator.
0: Yeah. I, I think it'd be fantastic. You know, I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about some of the stuff, but uh, I did make a note at the time. It really jumped out to me. Uh, I noted there's sort of a change of pace that the spook hunters immediately buy that sums things up when they come visit the house. Uh, and it really is kind of striking. It's something, uh, I don't know if it's for or against the film. I think it might just be, again, a reflection of the nature of the, the notional story they're telling. But it really, like, there's usually some some sort of foreplay and fake-out and skepticism in a story like this but instead the Warrens show up and they're immediately like yes there's absolutely terrible things happening in this house yeah. let's get on it um, but it also it reminded me like like, like I guess by comparison uh, Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. they have that uh, uh, whatever he was the psychic come by the first yeah. time and uh, he, and he sort of talks about well you know and, and he gives him a calm explanation and he's very laid back and he's like hey I guess your dad's kind of cool after all sort of feel yeah. Uh, and then when he comes back, he immediately is like, "Oh, I need to go right now," you know. And this is sort of that same sort of one-two, except for the one in this case was all that prologue stuff with Annabelle and the girls and and them being cool as cucumbers in the house that was just leaky pipes yeah. causing squeaks and then showing up here.
1: I wonder that then now in paranormal activity that, that that all of that was just an elaborate guise to get away from the crazy people. Because there's no haunting. They're just constantly <laughs> bothering him and he's like, there's a presence in this house. I can't stay here. It's angry and he's just like, oh wow, that was <laughs> I hope they bought it. Yeah.
0: I'll totes help you, but I gotta I gotta I got a thing. I got I gotta yeah. go do a thing. Yeah you' back yeah when they
1: when they just enter the house and they set up and they're just like you know we're gonna get our man to do some legwork. and I'm just like wh- wh- how many people do you have at your at your disposal it turns out just to be drew yep <laughs> that, that's that's their one man um, I, I somewhere in my notes is just written just in all caps Ghostbusters 71
0: yep well, one of, one of the books about them, I think, is like you know Ed and Lorraine Warren, the original Ghostbusters, are the real Ghostbusters. There's been a few books. Uh, by Ed and, and Lorraine
1: about them. Warren, meet the Ghostbusters. Basically, yes. And yes. Abbott and Costello. Uh, <laughs>
0: uh, in tone-deaf mo- metaphors, at one point when they're talking about the idea of leaving the house and Ed's like, oh, no, you, that won't help. Uh, he says, sometimes when you get haunted, it's like stepping on gum. And I was just like, you, you know, you. if I'm the person being haunted and this is – yeah, you know, sometimes when you uh, go fuck yourself, it's like uh, sucking a dick because um, it just—it <laughs> felt really like – and I realized in practice if they're actually sitting around and hanging out and not just existing in a two-hour movie, maybe like having conversations about stuff that's colloquial and full of metaphors is, you know, what you do. He's like, hey, well, let me try and explain this to you. But, uh, But yeah –
1: I like the fact that he was just like he brought a bunch of crucifixes in like he's got like I think it was a either a bag or like two fistfuls of crucifixes and he's just like yeah I'm just going to put these all over the house to really piss him off yep. and it just reminds me of um in uh in ghostbusters when Bill Murray is like originally like in the apartment and he like moves the piano over and just like plays the two really high notes he's like that really ticks him off yep. And, but the crucifixes work. It's just like all right. So now we're here. So let's piss it off. Let's piss the demon off, and then and then see where that takes us. I, <laughs> <Let's get laughs> this right is not a it. good plan.
0: Uh, there was a you know, that This is this is something uh, Angela mentioned uh, as a recurring theme. Um, it felt like Lily Lily makes at least a couple references to the idea of sort of like. Uh, making a new beginning, a new start, blah, 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 blah. And it's never, I don't think ever cl- made clear at all in the film what the thing that they're making a new start from was other than some vague implication of maybe having some rough times with their marriage or whatnot. But we don't even get details about
1: that. Yeah, you know, I think I it's it's just one of those. Yeah, because I mean, their family dynamic is totally fine. Like, you know, the husband and wife absolutely, you know, are, love each other and have like hot sex. Uh, and, you know, all the kids more or less get along. And, you know, everybody likes the kids. So yeah, I, I my suspicion is that it's sort of like a because uh, he mentions, you know, they're from Jersey. So it's sort of like a uh, spoiler alert for a history of violence, um, a history of violence sort of thing where he before he was a truck driver, he was like a mob enforcer in jersey and just killed a shitload of people and they're like well we need a fresh start so i'm gonna turn into a trucker now um and let's move out to rhode island
0: i'm willing to accept this reading okay i think that's what's going on
1: that's sorted um (laughs) what else uh, like if this was a home invasion movie like they would all be dead like 40 seconds in because he would have just like slowly pick them off one by one but it's ghosts so you can't do anything about yeah. it
0: at one point uh, they're talking about the crucifix stuff or, or something I'm trying to remember exactly I don't know what the context was but anyway someone's like oh so like like holding a cross to a vampire and Ed says yeah exactly Except I don't believe in vampires. Yeah, and that's another one of those like willow, like like I can hear Job saying that line. (laughs) You know, and you know, for that, in the opening movie, we talked about the the, the, the cold open with the 1968, the doll and whatnot, and then we cut to the first time we see them doing a lecture type thing. And then he says something really, really boring and dry, like, and so then we did some blah and some ha, and then they're fine now. Any questions? And it's like, yes, obviously there are questions (laughs) about this story. And of course, every time they do that, everybody's hands go up. But still, I, yeah, again, rewriting this slightly as a comedy. Uh, there's there 's a lot of sort of blase cool guy lines from Ed Warren this <laughs> that you know you can really like he delivers them he delivers them very straight face and not as like uh and that 's why i 'm a badass but you know it's really easy to read that into them.
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's just one of those other things during the lecture series where they have, like, the video footage that is clearly, like, in the context of the movie, not faked. Cause they, I mean, they didn't have the CGI back then of just, like, crazy-ass shit happening. It's just like what you lecture in what is apparently, like, college auditoriums. There's probably a science department. You can get a guy. You can prove ghosts exist to the world at large. You have the footage. Um, so, yeah, that, that part was kind of hard to buy the fact that like on footage they had like you know the guy uh, you know the crying blood wasn't so much but like the the spontaneously generating upside down crucifix yeah it was just like oh, that's, that's, that's a bit much that's,
0: that's kind of an ask right there yeah uh, there's I love a, the, uh, when
1: they try to take her out of the house and she just like immediately starts developing like all sorts of different wounds and one of them is a hanging wound I thought that was really cool
0: yeah that was nice that reminded me of uh, uh, let the right one in too uh, did you ever see that? Or, I have not.
1: The first thing I ever found out about that movie is that there are apparently two sets of subtitles for it, and one of them is terrible, and one of them is good. And I have, I, I have to this day, not done the research to figure out which version I should be watching.
0: I think I may have found out after the fact that I saw the one with the not-as-good subtitles. Uh, but honestly, it's, it's a very... I mean, the, the, the dialogue in the film is important, but... It's also such a visual and mood film in in the way it tells the story that I don't think it suffered too much from seeing it with the lousy subtitles because uh, I still really, really enjoyed it. Um, And I think I found out after the fact that the subtitles were weird. and was like, oh, okay. (laughs) That does explain a couple things I kind of wondered about. Well, there's a scene... uh, I mean, spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't want to know anything about the premise of this movie, uh, but uh, there's a little girl who's a vampire. And there's a scene where the little boy, like, they're the two central characters in the film, is this boy who meets her because she lives nearby. Uh, they're hanging out, and she's waiting for him to invite her in because you have to invite vampires in, right? And uh, and he's like, well, what happens if I don't invite you in? And he's just sort of kind of curious. Uh, but she, she walks in anyway, and then she sort of, you know, starts tensing up and convulsing and looking like she's becoming incredibly, terribly, uh, physically, uh, fucked up by the process in a way that's reminiscent to what we saw going on with yeah. Carolyn's character there. Uh, and it was a very effective, wonderfully like arresting little moment in the film, um, which was, I thought a great way to deal with, uh, no. the sort of intersection between mythical vampire lore and this attempt to tell a very, you know, realistic, realistic, you know, low stakes human interest story about you know relationships or whatnot in the film. Uh, anyway, reminded me that uh, I think the the scene from Let the Right One In is more effective than the one with Lily, just because it's a, a better fit to the film and less of a stunt. But I thought that was a great effects shot in any case in this movie. Yeah.
1: Um, Actually, I just I've been rereading Dracula recently, and like the the first scene when, um, you know, Dracula invites Jonathan Harker into his you know like Transylvanian castle thing. I think he says he literally says it's just like it's like welcome, uh, enter freely and of your own will. It's like oh, seems legit. <laughs> That's not. I'm gonna chalk that up to the that. language yeah. barrier.
0: Yeah, <laughs> crazy Transylvanians. Uh. <laughs> There okay. One little detail about the film: we see, like, I think the key moment where Lily becomes possessed. Maybe Uh, I'm not sure about the timing, but this seems like the possible moment that it happened. Uh, The sheet, the 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 big windstorm, and the sheet flies up onto the humanoid figure, and then goes into the window. And then we get uh, a scene with uh, Carolyn Lily Taylor's mom character is uh, confronted by the evil demon lady and whether dreamed or figurative or actually happening, it wasn't totally clear, basically vomits something into her mouth. Uh, in, in what reminded me of, uh, Oh, which carpenter film Prince of darkness. Yeah. Uh, sort of reminded me of that, but, but this effect looked less dumb and less like a urination reference. So <laughs> yeah, credit to this film. Uh, and then at the end of the film, the exorcism is eventually, uh, successful and she pukes on the floor and I, I'm kind of wondering if the intention is that, that that was like the literal essence of the demon as a physical thing within her that got injected and then got ejected and that was like mm-hmm. the determining factor not like a strictly spiritual thing but an actual physical component to the whole possession thing but I don't know if that's me reading too much into it, and it was just supposed to be gross. Oh, no, there was directions.
1: definitely, um, like, when she pukes the stuff out at the end, there's definitely, like, some sort of vapor coming off of it. Um, so it was definitely, like, spooky vomit. Okay. Um, oh, also the uh, the scene when, uh, like, the, the, the room of, like, one of the girls is locked, and then they bust in there, and they're both, like, really cold. Like, you actually watch them exhale... Uh, exhale vapor cuz it's that cold and I thought that was a really nice touch yeah. cuz it's it's there it's not like you know they're outside in the middle of winter it's just like you know just once in a while like somebody will puff out like some some vapor and it's just like oh that's it's a that's a nice touch there um I thought the whole sidebar thing with
0: Judy we sort of talked about this a little bit but as I'm looking at my notes and revisiting mm-hmm. it uh, the Warren's locket gets Lorraine's locket gets stuck in the basement, and then Lorraine has the vision of Judy floating dead in the lake, and then she makes the phone call, and everything's fine. But then later, it turns out that uh, we see the locket twitching around in Judy's room, and then the whole thing with uh, Annabelle the doll sitting on whoever spooky person's thing in the rocking chair. The rocking chair gets thrown, and she gets pulled out of the way just in time. I feel like that whole thing could have gone. Uh, yeah. Like, like, again, like, that'd be great for, you know, the B-plot in one of the episodes of the the TV show. But in the film, it just seemed like the fact that they they, they knew they they had
1: a good idea for something scary, but and then just shoehorned it in.
0: Yeah. And and that's the thing. It it feels like it's just sort of jammed. It was like, oh, right. We got to take care of this Judy thing. Oh, we got to we got to close the deal on the Judy thing. And it just felt like it's like, well, we can put it here. That'll work. We'll put it there, you know, rather than really feeling like it worked well with the flow of anything going on uh b- 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 their,
1: their fucking house like the 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 room, the, the, the door to the, the room full of, like, the horrible items from beyond. Like, I, would, I was waiting to see what the front of that door looked like, because you knew it was going to be something. But I was not expecting it to just have two signs, and, like, one of which is, uh, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, demonologist, clairvoyant, whatever. And the other one just, like, under, do not enter under any circumstances. I'm just like, how is that, like, not literally the most tempting thing you could put in a house with a young child? Yeah, can't go into the special room with all the toys. <laughs> that
0: room's, yeah, very dangerous. You wouldn't, yeah
1: maybe they're just, like, tr- constantly trying to just, like, see how different things affect their daughter. so, like, you know, one day she'll, like, you know, pick up, like, some sort of it's like a, a Cabin in the Woods sort of thing, where it's just, like, she keeps setting off these, like, random, uh, th- that could be a good spin-off cartoon, like a children's cartoon of her just going in there, setting off some random shit, and then having an adventure with it, um, and there could be, like, a ghost friend that that's always there, Here's but, um... Juice. I think that's mm-hmm. it. That yeah, it yeah, yeah. It. that's exactly... <laughs> Also the um the signage he puts like the doll into like that big uh like acrylic uh not acrylic uh plexiglass or maybe even real glass display case and on it put like danger do not ever touch and it's like in this really intricate gothic font why
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> just because uh yeah that whole that whole yeah that 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 whole room does feel like a, a a hub for a series of things rather than something that needed to be exactly what it was in the movie. Or like but an anthology based, I show guess based where really like it's really on their actual museum yeah. of the occult, so that's part of the thing, is like, oh no, this is totally a thing that the Warrens have. So.
1: I could see like um like the framing device to like a nineties like horror anthology show that like every episode begins with like a very old Lorraine Warren entering the room and picking up some object and then remembering like this week's episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, 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 I, I could see that. Uh,
1: I don't think this it. is as much like a coherent movie as just like a sequence of backdoor pilots kinda, for like kinda, ten yeah, different TV shows. Yeah,
0: exactly. Shows. You know, it's, it, it it really feels like there's a bunch of sort of episodic minded stuff in here uh, that that get like like we said already, kind of gets in the movie's way of what it could have been as a super focused story. Uh, you know, a super focused you know ghost movie. But uh, I want to I revisit briefly Annabelle getting out of the cage. Are we to take that via quantum locket entanglement, the demon at the house managed to sort of take a, a, a telegraph wire over to the Warren's home and pull Annabelle out of the cage? Or did it just like make a phone call? It's like, hey – any demons here want to help me fuck with this little girl? Because uh, I got some stuff going on, but I'd really appreciate it if you could take the spooky doll and go uh, make it sit in a rocking chair and try and hit her with it. Like I don't, there's I don't a, there's understand. Like a
1: central Ghost Dispatch. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, like, did they put in a call? Exactly. How was yeah. that supposed to work? That that well, I'm. Not you know, the, it's
1: it's like gum. Sometimes you step in it and then <laughs> shit happens. <laughs>
0: Uh, another another little shot that I really like, there's this really great encroaching darkness effect on Judy being menaced in the hallway in the Warren home. Mm-hmm. You know, all else aside about that, she's, she's walking through the house and, yeah, darkness just comes in from every direction. And, and I thought that was, you know, probably a fairly simple little trick, but it, it really, it was great. It was super spooky. I, I thought that was a very nice shot. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> I I I wrote in all caps once things got down to serious business with Ed doing the Reading the Latin, uh, and Ed's going for the non-ordained exorcism. This is a great day in Catholic sporting.
1: Does he have like a dual Latin English Bible that guess. you know tells him which verses to say in English and which in Latin? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's on both
0: pages. I don't know. Yeah, th- he really did because he of keeps jump back switching out for yeah. no
1: reason that I could tell. Like I, you know, I can't imagine. Like the rite of exorcism says, and now in vernacular, say these words. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: It's it, it's a confusing thing. I, I think there's a a casualty of filmmaking that you know nobody. Everybody knows that Latin sounds spooky yeah. and impressive when you're doing an exorcism, but nobody speaks Latin, so you can't get any yeah. dialogue across that place. You know, beyond someone hearing "spiritus sanctus" and yeah. at one point he says
1: "insidioso," and I'm like, "Hey, <laughs> hey that's, that's the name another of this movie." Other movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> That's it see. was um yeah, bro, you dropped your holy water, bro, was one of my notes
1: oh, the holy water thing, he gets like <laughs> you know. Uh- uh, there was, like, when he's, like, setting up, like, all of his, like, ghost hunting equipment, and he, like, unfolds that, like, you know, uh, carrying case that one generally sees for, like, tools or knives, and it's just full of crucifixes, and he's got the one little vial, and, you know, the dad's just like, oh, what's that? It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you ask that question? What the fuck do you think it is? It's perfume. No, it's, it's holy water. <laughs> what, what else could it possibly be?
0: Well, these people may not have seen enough Well, they're not church-going they're the 70s. folk. Yeah, yeah, that too, you know. Uh, never got around, never got around to baptizing is a weird way to answer. Like either you baptized your kid or you didn't. It I think maybe like. he was
1: just trying to like let him down easy guess, where it's yeah. just like, it's like, yeah, we never really got around to that. which' was just like, cause you know, the guy is clearly like believes. So you don't want to be like, no, we don't believe in that shit. And it's like, yeah. no, nah, yeah, we, we, we planned on it, but you know, life gets in the way.
0: Uh, birds oh. flying into windows is pretty great. I mean, have, have you ever had a bird actually fly? Full force, you know, into a window and kill itself. I've Because like? it, it's a seen creepy it. thing. There's a sudden big. It's a loud fucking lump when a bird of any kind of mass like hits a window at speed, and then uh, and then you've got a dead bird if you go check it out, or you don't check it out because you're like, what the fuck was that? Uh, so it's like it's it, 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 it's something that's actually you know
1: it's creepy one, to have a bird. One time when, when I was window. a kid, a pigeon hit our windshield while my mom was driving down the highway. Oh, Jesus. Made it like it hit the windshield, slid off, and then I look behind and it's just it's still flying like a little, you know, it's it's you know, weaving in the air a bit because it's clearly (laughs) confused because it just got hit by a car, but he's still going.
0: Cotton angle, okay, that's not bad. I liked I liked I liked the specific shot of the crow getting stuck like halfway through the window and struggling. Yeah, that was that was nice, extra creepy take on that. I liked I liked Lily vomiting blood onto the sheet she was covered in. Yeah, I wasn't really sure where to go with it being covered in the sheet up to that point other than oh, it's like a ghost. Um but uh
1: but and that then, that
0: sort of sold it for me. It's like, oh okay, that's a that's a pretty freaky level. Little-
1: Her appearance all the way at the end that that seemed dead on exorcist to me. Kind of. Yeah. Like like almost like just the hair, the eyes, the the face, the lips, the mouth, the teeth, like it seemed almost like it to the extent where I was, it like an allusion to The Exorcist, because I mean, I, you think that'd be kind of obvious, but I think then again, you know, was not a lot of, you know, if this is like this is like a big Hollywood horror movie, so you're going after teenagers usually, and you know, not a lot of them have probably seen The Exorcist at this point. Unless I, they're I, horror I fans. think I, I think
0: you can't make a movie about or involving a, a full-on demon exorcism sort of situation without. Having to essentially acknowledge one way or the other, The Exorcist, and I think you can try and rebuke it, or comment on it, or criticize it, or you can sort of say, "Okay, well, this is a this is a world in which The Exorcist is this huge movie that happened," and I, I feel like this film basically decided to go with, "Like, yeah, let's 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 acknowledge."
1: Yeah, the now Exorcist. I'm wondering: in the world of this movie, is The Exorcist a movie or a real thing that happened?
0: In the move, in the world of this movie, The Exorcist uh, couldn't be a movie yet. Right, it wouldn't have come out for several more years. Oh, well, maybe it that'll could be one be of the based sequels. on. I don't know. if... Was the Exorcist? And uh, no, it wasn't. I, I don't remember if it
1: was. It took to be place in the seventies. It was definitely took place sometime in the seventies. Yeah, but I want to say, say like there was Vietnam War I protests. Like, I want to say like. No, I think there was Vietnam War protests really? were part of the plot. Yeah, I, I'm might be misremembering. There's some kind of protests that were part of the plot. Seventy three. Oh. So. so wow,
0: I was putting it later. I was putting it like seventy eight, but that makes sense. I mean, I guess they could have made it instead of calling back to Vietnam. but
1: Wait, when did the Vietnam War end? 70s? Was, 69? Early,
0: early 70s, right. uh, I, I think, is when. And then that's when Korea gotcha, started. Um, uh, no, Korea was before that. Korea Wait, was Korea? 80s.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I paid attention in school. Yeah. <laughs>
0: People who know anything about the actual history of the Korean War and the Vietnam War are like, you fuckers, you know, you need to learn some history. But sorry, I wasn't alive and I'm bad at history. Uh, if it didn't happen in a horror movie, at least. Yes. Um, yeah, that's funny. I don't know why I don't know why I was pushing Exorcist later. That's kind of that's weird. i got to rethink why I think that. But anyway, it still wouldn't have come out yet, though. It was um, a couple years I, away it,
1: in the world of this movie there was a point at which um carolyn is in like full possession mode and then something happens to her and she falls or something and i think they think she might not be possessed anymore but she tricks them her husband runs to her and just picks her up and he's just like are you okay it's like that is the probably the least least uh, uh, uh you know good way to check um whether everything's okay. It's like, no, under, you know, maybe that that fall didn't do any. under no circumstances is she okay. Um, It's like, you know, it's in the, uh, in Pulp Fiction, it's like, you okay? It's like, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Oh, you know what? Her wounds spontaneously heal in the sunlight. The book, the
0: William Peter Blatty book came out in 1971. So it's narrowly possible that they could have read The Exorcist in In the context of all this stuff happening, so that's something um,
1: was the Exorcist was a fiction was it a fictional book based on real events or was it just totally fictional?
0: I think it may have just been fiction, but I, I don't know i i 've never read the book i've never really read up on it um, so I'd, I'd be curious to know more actually and we've talked about the idea of doing an exorcist episode We should really do an exorcist episode because uh, we've we've talked about the movie enough at this
1: point right. um, yeah, it was inspired by a 1949 case of demonic possession. Ah. So inspired by just means I yeah. made a fictional story out of <laughs> these things that may or may not have transpired. Yeah, you know,
0: I had a note about the Lily tapping out too, which was like, hey, if the demon goes limp mid-exorcism, just fucking keep it up with the exorcism. Yeah. Uh, don't wait for it to like start floating in mid-air and shit. Uh, I also had noted that there's a lot of quick time events in this exorcism, like the dodge the yeah. bureau press x to dodge the shotgun, press x to read Latin It was very uh, a lot of a lot yeah. of moments of button tapping yeah. it felt like i
1: got i got really confused by the end of the exorcism it was like you know she floats up in the air okay pretty scary you know slowly spins upside down pretty scary just like starts banging against the ceiling I have no idea what that was trying to do like is she trying to break out of there through the ceiling while in the chair somehow like I just it, it was one of those things it was just like I, I'm like the demon's just like I'm, I'm stuck I have no idea what to do I'm just gonna bang on the ceiling and see if that scares Yeah, like you know and
0: I, I, I got a sudden like oh shit feeling like what they were gonna do is have it then drop her on her head and just fucking murder her mm-hmm. uh but that didn't happen uh, which i'm kind of relieved because i wasn't really like in the mood for a head squashing but uh, at the same time it also sort of took all of a sudden i was worried about like a really bad escalation and instead oh falls the ground and the chair breaks and everything's basically okay and let's go on with the possession and exorcism so yeah it did feel like it was a cool effect that sort of led to like yeah okay and then then okay whatever
1: when she entered the sunlight and it healed all of those, like, um, just the wounds that the ghost caused and, you know, like, returned her skin to a normal pallor, do you think that also took care of, like, things the ghost didn't cause? Like, she comes outside and he's like, hey, my is cured.
0: <laughs> no more iron deficiency for me. Uh, do you feel like it was supposed to be the sunlight healing it versus just a figurative stepping into the sun afterwards as the... Teammates. I think
1: it's absolutely implied that the sun that contact with the sunlight was, like, starting the healing. I don't know if the, the sun itself was actually healing her, but I think it's absolutely yeah. implied that once she stepped into the sun, that's when the wounds started yeah. closing up and her skin started turning uh, back to human color. Was it
0: stepping into the sun or stepping out of the house?
1: Uh, I mean, again, yeah, yeah, f- yeah. f- setting aside
0: the very effective uh-huh. cinematic aspect of having her literally step into the sun in the warm yeah. lighting and... But 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 narratively, is that supposed to?
1: Maybe she's Superman. That ex- maybe she That's the whole time it. she's that explains like how she fell down the stairs and didn't get hurt. Why she's totally fine playing the clapping game? You know when she knows she might fall down those stairs, or maybe
0: um, she's still uh, uh, totally demon possessed. But now she's back on track, uh, and that whole thing was like basically office politics playing out. But this whole time, she's actually been like a satanic vessel because the sun light lucifer Lightbringer. bringer ah, yeah. so, yeah, so it's yeah. actually she's like she's stepping back into the orthodoxy of the proper satanic church is what was happening there she was like okay i i i, I dallied but now i am once yours once again yours lord lucifer
1: yeah, I'm, yeah. So now i'm wondering if like the scene where they're trying to like drag her outside and she starts like developing all these wounds it's like they're not they don't Take her back inside because it might kill her, but because if she gets into the sunlight, her powers will be at full force and she'll be possessed and have powers. Yes, yeah, this is and basically... what they're afraid yeah, of. Yeah, exactly.
0: The, the the demons in the house know this is like some serious fucking uh, like Dark Phoenix saga stuff. Yeah. Like, Jean Gray's just going to go off the fucking hook if they don't uh, contain this situation. Basically, the ghosts are the X-Men. The X-Men... This family turns they, – they eventually develop the mutagenic development. They become the X-Men. They travel back in time. They die. And the ghosts of the X-Men play hide-and-clap to pass the time while trying to prevent Jean Grey from destroying the universe. Hmm. I think I that's what this that. film is about. I think that's basically what this is.
1: I could see, I I see that. There, there's definitely um, – wait, what year you yeah, no, X-Men were definitely up by 73 X-Men came out in what, like late 60s, right? I want to say, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Problem solved. There we go. Yep. We figured it out.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's basically that movie. I don't think I had any other big notes on. Yeah, that I mean. Again, the a, big, the big, the big fake build that turns out not to be a fake build towards a happy ending, yep. uh. The music box playing itself, I guess, was technically a creepy thing, but it was the lamest. Story. Was
1: there supposed to be something in the mirror? Because I couldn't really tell. No, like, don't I read Wikipedia it was. and they said that like the doll was like in like centered in the mirror, but I don't think I it don't was. Like,
0: I don't feel like I saw that. If it was, it was poorly conveyed. Yeah. Because uh, neither of us saw it, and we were both probably looking very hard for something. So yeah, I don't know. The end credits—they do a bunch of photos and newspaper clippings of. You know, And at the time I'm watching this, I still haven't looked anything up. I'm still going in, like, just assuming that there is something to the framing, but trying to decide whether or not there is any actual basis for this, or if they're just laying hard on the, no, no, bro, really, 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 it's a true story, I swear to God, I, I know that other movie wasn't, but this one really is, or whether there was actually going to be something. Uh, so now I'm kind of wondering, to what extent, if any, and my inclination is to say, to no extent, uh, was the material they used there actually any kind of archival newspaper and photograph stuff? Like some of the photograph stuff seems like it could legit be photographs of the families because, hey, you know, they existed and the Warrens certainly were out there. Uh, newspaper clippings, one of them was like, you know, you know, Ed Warren gives another lecture, which seems like banal, which makes sense. But one of them was like Malevolent Spirit. Haunts family or something, and I'm trying to think what newspaper is going to print this. Like maybe the local newspaper edited by the cat lady or something. But
1: <laughs> it's the Daily Ghost Catcher.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of curious about the the degree to which they actually. Yeah, it would be great if just like stuff.
1: all of those, uh, all of like the like the end credit like microfiche newspaper things. It just zooms out and they're all from the Weekly World News. <laughs>
0: They did a couple of nice, cute little visual things with them. I don't know if you caught it. There was a tiny little brief shot. There was a shot of a graveyard, and there was like a white cross grave marker. And and for like a quarter of a second, they they switch the the cross to be an inverted cross on it before cutting into the next scene or whatever. Uh, I missed that. As you said, tiny little blip it was kind of funny. They also had some like, sort of glowing cross seams on one of the newspaper uh, scans. Little little things. They, they they creeped it up nicely, I guess, but. Yeah. But yes, and yeah, I don't know. I uh, I would yeah, watch. I, I would watch the show. I mean, I'll watch the sequel too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I think I think the show that it isn't is really the thing that I would prefer to exist. Yeah. But some good scares.
1: Yeah. I'm glad yeah, we watched it. it was like yeah, mm-hmm. it's a
0: little bit different from a lot of the other stuff we watched. So
1: yeah. Uh, I don't think we have anything picked out for next Fortnite yet. So nope. we could think about the Exorcist i don't I, know. Think, I don't know if i yeah, want to, to it right to so,
0: this because it's like
1: yeah
0: an after another but, uh, but yeah. let's
1: discuss it not on the podcast uh,
0: <laughs> we'll we'll take this we'll take the discussion uh offline we'll uh yeah. we'll, we'll 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 talk about it uh you know between ourselves betwixt we'll we'll get our betwixt on uh but yes we'll uh we'll pick out another movie and we'll do a thing and uh you know do all the things we always say you know go do you know find us google us we're on facebook on the tumblr we're on the itunes reviewing rating those things are nice yep uh i think that's about it
1: yeah that was about it yeah uh good night everybody
0: adios